Well, there goes the neighborhood. Good morning, everybody, and welcome. Welcome here live on this Saturday morning to a new edition, a brand new and live edition of the Dave's Gone By Facebookio, Podcastio, Programio of the stream. Featuring me, Dave Lefkowitz, featuring my darling wife on the bells, on the noisemakers, Joyce, and featuring all of you who tune in every week to see what... Chernobyl too? (laughs) Well, actually, we could talk about that. Okay, well, let's talk about it, because I'll tell you what's going to be on the show. I'll tell you quickly what's on the on the show, and then we can yak about, oh, I don't know what's going on in the world. <laughs> you know, World War Three Part One, who knows? So, but but as the world crumbles around us, we've got fun for you. Because, yes, yes, we have our Colorado limerick of a damned, a really uh, horrible, disgusting, terrible limerick poem about a place in Colorado. I've written a new one of those. I'll share it with you. Blah, blah, blah. Okay, you love it. Today, yesterday, trivia quiz, where every week we do 10 trivia questions of things that happened on this day in history. This day being March 5th. So right now we're in 2022. Lots of things happened on March 5th in world history. We have 10 questions sort of based on those. And we'll have our great panel, whom you can play with and against or however you want to play it. That's why we have a restraining order. But... Now, among the people playing the quiz are going to be, of course, Leslie Hobang Blake, theater critic and um, co-host of Critics Circle, the video podcast on YouTube. Also, David Sheward, who is a theater critic for TheaterLife.com and CulturalDaily.com, and playing alongside them after his interview is going to be our new friend of the neighborhood, our very special guest, an author and a musician. And this, this works out fantastically both ways, because as a musician, he's played jazz, he's played klezmer music, guess who's going to be interviewing him, uh, and, and he's played for the likes of Joel Gray and Iscott Perlman and the, one of the major klezmer outfits that is out there. So, so okay, so Gary Bohan Jr., great, cool musicians are always fun to have on the show. He's going to be with us. But the reason we're having him specifically... This week is his book is out. I gotta, I gotta be careful. I gotta grab it here. Gary has written a book about what I believe is his great grandfather. Not his grandfather. Now this was not his grandfather's name. Sharky. Great name. Great name for a guy from like the nineteen twenties or thirties and stuff. But no, 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 no. This book is about one of the the lesser known, lesser. Well, I won't say less remembered, but more beloved and yet somehow dormant aspects of show business, unless you go to SeaWorld or places like that. But back in the day, if you can believe it, um, train seals, <laughs> train seals were an important, albeit minor part of <laughs> of showbiz from the Ed Sullivan show. Said, yeah. What better embodies vaudeville than a you know than a train seal doing yeah. something? This is a train seal doing something. Uh, and by the way, the, the, this one's the seal. But here's here's the deal. They it was a big business. It was a big deal. And this particular one, this book is about Sharky, the most beloved of the train seals. He, he was a runt of the litter apparently, and yet he became the most popular 
um, he's an aquatic mammal. He's a mammal. Are they mammals? What are they? They have wide birth. I don't know. Yeah, they don't do eggs. Yeah, they have wide birth. Aquatic aquatic mammals. I think they're sea cows. With the best timing, the best reaction. Uh, But, well, you know, Gary Bohan is going to tell you all about it because his grandfather trained Sharky and a whole bunch of other seals, including, and my favorite story in the book so far, has to do with this guy saving a Broadway show. You got to hear the story. Gary Bohan is going to tell it. He's going to talk about his book, Sharky, When Sea Lions Were Stars of Show Business, uh, 1907 to 1958. So something must have happened in that year when, uh, yeah, I don't know, I guess 1958, what, what, they brought a seal maybe on What's My Line and asked it all sorts of questions and just, it, it didn't work out. And then whew, reputation plummeted. Maybe McCarthy. That could have happened too. Could have been, you know, he is a black seal. Could have been blacklisted. We're going to find this out. This is what I don't understand. Yeah. Did they have a water tank where they kept them? How did they keep them in they the They must have, or they just must have kept them wet. They don't have to be, I guess, necessarily submerged. Don't they have to swim? Um, I, th- I guess they like to swim. I imagine you can keep them in a bathtub. You know, just wet enough. I don't, I don't know. For the for the time when that you, they're. When you check in a hotel, what do you say? <laughs> I like a room with a tub for my seal. Back in vaudeville days, what did lion tamers do? Well, I don't know if they. Lions didn't need water. No, but they would have needed other things. <laughs> it's like to have a room that especially set aside with raw meat. I mean, different animals have different needs. Somehow they did. I'm sure Gary, uh, Shark, um, Gary Sharky, Gary Bohan will tell us all about that, because that is a question. Like, if you're bringing a seal to be live on Broadway, it's a little different from Bill Berloni bringing a dog on. And it's like, okay, Sandy, you just, you, you go on stage. Like the seals are different. Like, they used yeah. to have, like, at Coney Island, the diving donkey or whatever. You know, yes! Like they had all those animals. Now, Peter would not allow it. Well, no, that's, that may be why in 1958, yeah. And, and suddenly they, they went from being actors to coats. But we will find out. As as Gary Bohan Jr. talks to the one, the only, the Jewish Rabbi Saul Solomon later in yeah. the show, all about his book Sharky when sea lions were stars of show business, huh? huh? So already, I've told you a couple of great things that are going to be on the program, right? And what else? Oh, Greeley crimes at all times. This is where we um, we go into the newspaper. Of Greeley, Colorado, where there are two weekly columns that are intentionally humorous, even though they're based on real things. One is a column about phone calls that come into the local police department, and the, the dispatcher takes them as public record, and people are like, this is happening in my neighborhood. It's weird. And they are weird. And they're noted down, and the funniest ones are put in the newspaper every week. Plus, um, cop log. Well, that, 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 that is Coplog. The other one is 100 years ago, where our friend of the neighborhood, Mike Peters, from the Greeley Tribune, will look at the newspapers back from 1922 and find the most weird, goofy, nostalgic-looking things that were in the paper 100 years ago. And go, <laughs> yeah, I should reprint these just for fun. We mix them up. We call it Greeley Crimes and Old Times, and we do that every week right here on Dave's Gone By. So all that fun. All that delight coming at you on this episode of the show. Don't miss it. Stay with us. We're here from 9 until noon, as we are every Saturday, 
right here on this Facebook page. Yeah. Noonish. Ish noon. Um, but yeah, well, I mean, what an interesting world. I mean, when you heard, okay, I mean, the, the Ukraine thing has been going on for three weeks now, but like just this week, you woke up, you put on the TV, and Russia was sending missiles into a nuclear <laughs> facility. Didn't you? I mean, when I just put that on, I'm like, are we all going to die? I, what I think is a lot. So I know a lot of people in Europe, obviously, right? Yeah. Well, not adult parts of Europe. And other people have said, like, it takes me an hour and a half, two hours, this long to get to this part of Ukraine or this part of Russia. And people are scared. They're afraid this is going to, like, think about it. We're distant, although yeah. air and stuff is not distant. But there are people on that same landmass that are like, is this going to blow out into all of Europe and Asia yeah. and every, you know, continent? Now, they're saying, whatever you want to believe, they're saying that they've secured the facility. And even though they were literally sending up things that were blowing up chunks of building, that the core, that the place where the goo-goo is stored, uh, is safe. That it's not going to you know, send up radium into the atmosphere to kill everybody within, I don't know, 150-mile radius. When, when, um, I don't know the specs on this. When we took out Hiroshima... And Nagasaki in 1945. Oh, yeah. we, I mean, there was the instant flash that killed a quarter of a million people. How many the, people? The cloud. I don't know how. Yeah. Like, I don't know how the radius of post cloud. It, it's, I'm sure it's huge. I mean, come on. I yeah. No, I, I know. I don't want to grow. I mean, if I could grow <laughs> new organs, like if someone says yeah. you grow specific new organs, I go there. Yeah. But if they say you're going to grow like a third eye or maybe extra fingers, that I don't want. Or have lung stuff, no. You just made me think, wouldn't it be amazing yeah. if like 150 years from now, we know that um, radiation and stuff like that creates deformities and changes things and changes mm -hmm. DNA. And make, wouldn't it be amazing if we get to the point, maybe 200 years from now, where it's like they have a facility that's just glowing and stuff and they know where to put you. So it's like, oh, you know, do you need a new liver? Stand on this line. And you just, you get zapped in a certain way. And then somebody has, oh, um, you know, I, I need, I'll keep the penis I have. But if I can get like an eight-incher, oh, 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 this guy, please stand here. And, and they, they literally target the nukes to, to change their DNA. Or, or they could even get to the point maybe another hundred years from now where I want to have a child. And I want this child to be musically talented, five foot eleven, um, you know, Hair that ever goes bald, and also, but I don't know yeah, well, not yet. Maybe you know, we don't know what we have and haven't harnessed yet in terms of nuclear and solar energy. Maybe we're just on the precipice, and right now it's just used for weapons and it's just well, actually, sometimes used for cancer research and things. Imagine that. Oh, oh, if we do this with nuclear power, you know, all the men will have eight inch dicks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I would hope that there would be cures for other diseases before that would be the first. Ah, dicks come first. No, no, I think there should be cures for other diseases. <laughs> I think that'd be great. But, no, this whole Ukraine thing, because it's so easy to have this, this knee-jerk response of, like, we're not going to attend Veselka, or, or actually Veselka's probably Ukrainian, where the Russian tea room is hurting for diners over on West 50-something Street in New York. Russian Team Room, which has been around for like, I don't know, 80 years or something like that. A, a hoity-toity 
Russian restaurant serving blinis and chicken paprikash. And so if I was there once, it was, it was lying. But this idea like, oh, evil Russia, they're doing this. We're not going to attend this guy's restaurant. In the, and, and I get it. I mean, who, who was going to any kind of Arab restaurant after 9-11, right? And it's sort of your little, your little ridiculous, pointless protest uh, that, that isn't even affecting what's really going on over there. And I feel like this because, um, I mean, Russia bad. Russia evil, Russia this. I was in Russia, okay, 20, <clears throat> what was it, 20, 25 years ago with a friend of mine, a couple of friends actually, and had a marvelous time. You know, we were in St. Petersburg, we didn't go to Moscow, didn't go to any outlying stuff, and there were weird moments and things, but nothing really scary. The people were very nice and very open and very warm. I know that sounds incredibly counterintuitive as we, as we talk about this, and it was an amazing place to be. Again, St. Petersburg, I know, is kind of different from Moscow. And now you hear they are evil. Like, nah, I was there. <laughs> you know, they're, they're not quite. And I remember the weirdest part, you know, because they're sending essentially 17, 18, 19, 20-year-olds to fight so and kill and, you know, take over Ukraine and kill Ukrainians and do all. I mean, I remember one of the, the weirdest moments when we first came to St. Pete. It was like a first or second day. And I didn't speak English. My friend didn't speak English. We had friends who translated for us. They, they were living there for a while. Um, they spoke pretty fluent Russian, so that helped a lot. But we're going along, and suddenly there's this like troop of about four or maybe even five or six young guys from the military. right? And I, I swear to God, they still had like peach fuzz on their faces. And they're walking around in their uniform. And that these, they've got these Kalashnikov rifles on their backs. I mean, they're walking around with guns that could kill us instantly. And you know me. I'm terrified. I'm like, let's just get to Let's get, no, get the fuck out of here. You were in Argentina and, <clears throat> and your band rang in tower. They came over with that huge, the military guy came over and he had the huge gun. You were like, what? It's my library book. You were like yelling at him. <laughs> you were not afraid then. Not, really? Yes, he came over in full military gear. He had the... the uh, Oh, um, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, I don't remember that at all. Like, it's just my library book. It rains when I go to school. Like, <laughs> Which it was. Yeah, but yeah. I was scared we were going to get, you know. Oh, well, but, but I was scared. The embassy. Yeah. And Argentina was later than Russia. Russia was my first trip out of the country. Anyway. I didn't go to London first. I didn't go to Paris first. I didn't go to you know, Montenegro. Or, no, I, I went to friggin' like Prague in in. At that point, Czechoslovakia, now Czech Republic, and then St. Petersburg, Russia. And we're standing with these guys, and our translator is Yaka, and they're just young kids. I mean, they're curious about Americans. They just, they don't see them that, you know, at that point. It was only two years after Glasnost. There wasn't my, tons my of Americans. Image, so yeah. Because I study aging. It was a young soldier in his 20s, Russian soldier, sitting on the ground crying because a bunch of my people, older people, were yelling at him. Ukrainians were saying, were yelling uh, at him and yeah. telling him, you know, what you're doing is wrong. Yeah. And he deferred to age. <laughs> 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 so he's sitting on the ground with the whole military thing and the gun crying. Because yeah. And he's also he's killing his own people yeah, in exactly. a way. exactly. And they're saying, like, yeah. what you're doing, you know. And, and so he deferred to age. So... 
these older people have no power. They have no weapons. They have no, you know, they have nothing. They're just like his grandma or his right. aunt or his mom. And they, they're telling him, like, how can you do this? You know, they're, they're berating him, not, not cursing him, but saying to him, like, you know, what you're saying. No, and yeah. he's crying. I thought it was. Well, that, and, and I get that because, like, a 15-year-old can have a growth spurt and yeah. still be yelled at by his parents. And, and then, you know, he could take his parents out with one yes. punch. But he's like, no, not me, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but the thing was um, that, what you know, I'm making it sound like there was some incident with these guys. No, they were just walking around. And they saw Americans. They're like, oh, my law, what is medical? And, and I, I was like, Do you remember yeah. how they were so, like, ethnicist or racist? Well, not racist. I mean, they were... We were in Argentina. They were like, speak English, don't speak Spanish, because they wanted yeah. to have the, the illusion of this Anglo-Philip. Well, well, as it you know, yeah. or as is, or the first thing everybody wore, the Russians yeah. warned us when we were in Russia. Speak English? It, it was, no, it wasn't that. No, no, they wanted they they. You know, you think the ruble is bad now, a hundred yeah, to the yeah, dollar. Yeah. It was four hundred and fifty rubles to the dollar when we, when we went to yeah, Russia. We, we could have bought prime real estate for. Could have bought anything. People did. And that's how they became oligarchs and stuff. But it was like, oh, don't trust the gypsies. Keep your keep your keep your oh, stuff. Every, don't watch out for the gypsies. I mean, yeah. Why do people hate gypsies? Uh, well, because they're known to yeah, steal and leave. So, like, yeah. It's so much like you know, the gypsies are the gypsies because of the historical past. I think it's so, and I'm sure many people have gypsy origins, and they don't oh, acknowledge yeah. it. Yeah. No, I mean, why do people hate Jews? Yeah. Why do people? Well, I know why people hate Jews. Look at me. But um, but you know, why do people hate anything? That the there's a kernel of truth in the racism, but ninety percent of it is ridiculous. But it foments someone that you can feel better, that, that you can feel superior to. So it's like don't talk, don't trust gypsy. But in terms of trusting the Russians, and I wasn't in Ukraine. Do they I'm call sorry. What? Romany or gypsy? What do they call oh. them? I'm sure in there they said all many in Cyrillic or in Russian, and then it was translated to us. But even those young soldiers, were, they were kids. They were sweet, and these are the people. The, the now they're they're thirty something, of course, so forty something. But their equivalent is now what is going into Ukraine and taking out buildings, taking out people, doing what they're told. Because they're soldiers, and Russia's going to win this. <laughs> they may lose, like in Afghanistan, they may lose the war or or the long war. They're going to win the short one, and they're going to do a lot of damage while doing it. And it's just this this thing of you know, I feel for Ukraine. I'm absolutely astonished and amazed that Ukraine has a Jewish president. I mean, how did, how did that happen? We couldn't get Jews out of Russia you for know what happens. yeah. It's like when you when country prior swings one way and then it swings the next way so it's like if we don't like a then we go for b and next time we go for c it's like the voting the the way people vote but he's gonna be time magazine's man of the year he's gonna probably win for me like if i had a country i wouldn't care about famous i care about making my my people survive well he's heroic in the sense that he hasn't given up that he's you know hiding and hasn't been assassinated yet i mean protect your people that's you can well. I mean, how do you protect your people against freaking Russia? I yeah. don't know. I would assume you get big friends. Yeah. And the great thing is, and, and I love how things tie. When I do this program, and we talk, and it goes to one subject, then morphs to another, and then back. One of the great clips on YouTube is this president of Ukraine, Zelensky, 
who, before he was a president, oh, no. he, he, yeah, he was a comedian. Oh. He was on Dancing with the, I mean, he did. I, yeah, did you see the piano? No, I did not. He did a classic bit. They, it's, the bit has been done before, but where they have guys uh, standing in front of the piano, you can't see below their waists, and their arms are here, and they're comedically making believe that they're playing the piano with their genitals. And this is the president of Russia. <laughs> I was, I'm, I'm sorry, of Ukraine. Putin wouldn't do that. Putin would, Putin would make believe he was on a construction site and using it as a hammer. <laughs> it's like... <laughs> so, uh, so my heart goes out for Ukraine. And I, I, I honestly feel bad for the people of Russia. This is one of those actual instances where I wish people would say it isn't the Russians, it's Putin, right? You know, um, and at the same time, it's funny because I'm always making fun of, of people who say, whoa, 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 no, 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 we love Israel, right? Israel's, uh, or we, no, sorry, we love Jews, we're not anti-Semitic. Uh, Jews are fine, they're great, etc. No, we, we just hate, when he was in power, uh, Bibi Netanyahu, right? We, we just, we hate the Israeli government, we hate what they're doing it. And I would always say, ah, very thin line, right? Because I'm, I'm a strong Zionist. So I'd be like, oh yeah, you really, really, you only hate the Israeli government and you think, uh, 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 no. But in this particular case, I'll go on record and say, it's the head guy who's just a little bit, and I'm, it's, it's funny, if this happened 30, 40 years ago, we would have totally understood it. It was manifest destiny. He's, he's probably thinking to himself, I probably feel that they've said this about him, that the worst time ever was when the Soviet Union stopped being what it was. And all these countries broke off. And what used to be this enormous, fantastic, expansive Russia was now Russia and this country and this country and this and this democracy and this is a this and a republic and this. And he's like, you know, if he gets this, it's Hitler-esque, but it's also what the United States was doing every time we go further inland towards the west coast you know it's like we're here you know it makes sense that we go a little further little oh there's indians there uh, you know put them put them here oh there's there's mexicans they'll kill them okay and we'll just expand this way and now it's ours and i won't be shocked if putin's whole thing was okay we want ukraine ukraine is russia right um i mean really before this was happening did you really know any difference between the two countries. And when I told you something was happening in Kyiv, or somebody's like, you were saying, well, oh, it's, that's Russia, right? It's yeah, Ukraine, it's Russia, it's Ukraine, it's Russia. We have friends, so like we have a friend, member, uh, Stephen from UNC, now he's in Texas. Yeah. But he's a historian of that region, and he would give you, he could provide, like they provide on Twitter reading lists of the different, you know, the different kind of places and uh, historical stuff. Stephen could. I mean, <clears throat> the other thought is if he gets, if he takes Ukraine, which he can, um, will he then go into, back into Tajikistan, Turkmenistan, uh, all the stands, even, even M&M stand, which he's been, he's been eyeballing for a while now. Yeah. Uh, so, um, the, and, and the other thing, the one thing that I, I haven't heard about, and I'm surprised maybe they're suppressing it or, or not saying is, Russia and Moscow and that area must have a lot of Ukrainians and people of Ukrainian descent living in Russia. Mm -hmm. 
right? Whether they're being arrested, whether they're being watched the way Americans watched the Japanese during World War II, I don't know. But where's the terrorism? In other words, you know, Russia is encroaching into the Ukraine, doing all this stuff. Where are the Russian Ukrainians who are watching this, have maybe family, family living in Ukraine, and saying, okay, we're going to find some Russian uh, diplomats, dignitaries, police. Like, there are protests. I see on Twitter a lot of protests and stuff where right. people are Russian and Russia protesting. But I think people are afraid that there'll be retribution. Right. But there are, you know, so if, if they have crazy... You're not talking like the IRA. I mean, you know. Well, why not? I don't know. That's the, where is the Ukraine IRA that somehow figures out a way to blow up a Russian some, bank? But some people, when they become part of, like, another country, they lose their they might have self-hatred for their group. Oh, maybe. Maybe they feel like we're more akin with our country than our ethnicity. I don't know. I don't know. Well, well, let's see, because in the mail this week, apropos of really nothing, but apropos of all this, um, <clears throat> a package came from Saginaw, Texas. You know, hitchhiked all the way from Saginaw to come to Long Island. So let's see if this, whatever this is in this box, um, feels about Texas very strongly and will always feel Texan, or if it immediately adopts the culture of New York and Long Island and just says, oh, no Texas at all. What could this be? The box came for us earlier this week. I waited till now to open it. What? What could it be? What is it? Let's see. Let's, let's see. Okay. Maybe shaking out this way. Oh, it's a, a, whatever it is, it's in a bag of some sort. I wonder what it could be. <laughs> Any guesses? Uh, tuna fish? No, no. A chicken? Chicken, no, no. Um, One more. Centipede? Let's see. I think it, it's got legs. Oh, oh my God. Why am I, I... I always do it off camera. Let me show you on camera. The excitement that happens when... Into the neighborhood comes a new potato. <laughs> Here it is. Oh my goodness, he's got a belly button. Look at that. Let's see, how is he? He's he's got um kind of deep offset eyes, a bit of a faded ribbon, but not bad. He's got his special Spuds potato tag and his little flap. His tush flap. He does have, he's got, oh, can you see that? He's got a bit of a hemorrhoid. Uh, but, oh, my goodness. Now, Potato, you're from Texas. You just came from Texas. Are you, are you a Texan or are you always a New, already a New Yorker in spirit? Go fuck yourself. Oh, oh he's a New Yorker. <laughs> he's from New York. <laughs> it's like he's, he's giving up Texas already. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to push somebody on a subway train right now. <laughs> don't do that. That's not a good thing to do. Oh, you know, oh, I wanted to tell you this. This is horrible. I love horrible story. But this happened this week. And, I, and one of the reasons I wanted to tell you was there was this kid. He was at the dinner table, like a, a teenager. Yeah. He was at the dinner table, finishes dinner with the family, goes into the room. I think he was going to, like, take a shower or something like that. Stepped on a live wire. Somebody, like something connected to another thing and circuit ran through him and he was electrocuted. Did he die? Right? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. Do you know where that was? Where? Argentina. Maipu. 
Plaza. Where are we at the Plaza Hotel? We, we when Joyce and I were in Argentina about 20 years ago, uh, one of the, the, my favorite moments in the whole, and we saw theater and we saw dance and we ate all these wonderful restaurants and went to Tango Tecas and watched people. I mean, we were just treated spectacularly in Argentina. But my favorite moment of all was finding a street that was M-A-I-P-U, M-A-I-P-U, Maipu. And of course, took a picture there and, and I could always tell people, and I would, whether they wanted to hear me or not, saying, oh, look, I am standing on my poo. <laughs> I, well, if you pick your nose up, you can smell my poo. <laughs> my poo is everywhere. And it's just as many puns as I could possibly make on my poo. So I feel bad, of course, for the, the kid who was shocked to death. But, you know, it's, it's very sad that my poo was responsible for shocking this kid. <laughs> no shit. Yeah, seriously. Anywho, it's 9.30 in the morning, Eastern Time, and you're watching the Dave's Gone By Facebook, your podcast, your programio of the stream with me, Dave Lefkowitz, Joyce, my wonderful wife. We will have Gary Bohan Jr. on the program shortly talking about his brand new, really fun book, Sharky, and he'll be talking to the one, the only God, the one, the only, the Jewish Rabbi Saul Solomon. Um, yeah, I'm going to need to to get some stuff for him before he goes on the air. That's important. Um, and our Colorado Limerick of the Damned and our Today Yesterday quiz. And coming up right now, are you feeling, uh, are you feeling like a criminal? Oh, well, I can get this started. Look, <laughs> a little slight delay in the beginning of, of, of this. So meanwhile, I'll tell you, I'll remind you, that every Dave's Gone By is a bit different and a bit the same. That's the fun of it. I can talk about all different things. Plus, we have some regular segments. If you want to know more, if you want to hear older episodes of the show, not to mention all the incredible guests that we had over the years. And let me tell you, we have a couple of unbelievable guests lined up for March on this program. You know, Gary Bohan, yeah. And then I'm going to mention a couple of names. and going to be like, you've got to be kidding me. Yeah going to be on the show this month. I'll tell you later in the program. But you can hear all our older episodes at davesgoneby.com. For the first 16 years of the show, we were, um, first 16 years of the show, we were audio only. We were um, either a internet only broadcast or we were on terrestrial radio, college radio. And so there was no real visual to it. Now, um, Obviously, for about four years, we've been doing this Facebook show and loving it. So all of that, the video, the audio, is at davesgoneby.com. Plus, you can find all our archives at archive.org. Archive.org is a nonprofit website dedicated to preserving entertainment and literature and the arts from, oh, I don't know, the past two, three, four thousand years Whatever they get their hands on, that's either permissioned or public domain. Archive.org. Adjust the toilet paper because there was nothing left on the roll. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this fell on me. Oh, <laughs> I did this this week. Yes. This happened, ladies and gentlemen. So, so, oh, oh, sorry. Um, where where I work? Near where I work. I said, "Watch, careful." I sometimes um go and get a bagel, in in this little strip mall area. <laughs> And I go there about two or three times a week because it, 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 that's fine. It, start, it starts my morning in a fun and happy way. 
And then one morning, I'm walking, you know, coming out of the car, and I see this on the ground. And I'm thinking, okay, this is going to be some fun stuff. I'm thinking, what do I do with this sign? Now, most normal people, most intelligent normal people in a pandemic would not pick up a dirty sign off the road and, and just do anything with it. It's just, oh, there's a sign on the road. Hopefully the garbage people will get it. Okay. No. No. Ladies and gentlemen, um, I saw this and I'm like, I need this. And this is, and I know exactly where I want to put it. So for the past week, um, I hung this in the bathroom. <laughs> yes, no dumping area under video surveillance. Violators will be so really, really. Not only can't you poop, but you can't rape in our bathroom here in the house. So, so when Joyce just said this sign fell on her, so it may be time to retire our no dumping sign or to dump our no dumping sign. Uh, I should probably put it on Craigslist. See if anybody wants it. Because there's all, aren't you tempted? We'll, we'll get to Grizzly Crimes all times later. Aren't, aren't you tempted when you see like a street sign, like a stop sign, or one of those yellow school signs, and it's overturned, it's on the ground, they're obviously not using it anymore. So you just want to like take it. And it's not really stealing because you're not, you know, doing vandalism to the sign. It's like, what can I do with this? Railroad crossing. Wouldn't you love to hang a, a real, an actual railroad crossing sign, like between the kitchen and the living room or something? Yeah, maybe it's just me. Is it just me, hon? It's me. It's just me. <laughs> what else can we do? You know what? Why don't we, because um, already we have our guest waiting here. So I'll, I'll put Grilly Crimes All Times a little bit later. And then why don't we just do our, our Colorado Limerick of the Dam? Let's do this early. Oh, isn't it? Well, no, I've got literally like 10 oh. minutes and, and the guy's already here, which is wonderful. Thank you, Gary. So let, let's do our Colorado Limerick of the Dam, which is, um, I will explain, has to do with living in Colorado for a bunch of years and realizing, hey, here's something that I should do. I should write a poem about all these different places in Colorado. And name them, you know, and and for each play, why is my my iTunes is totally like, uh, uh, I, oh god, I fucking hate iTunes. All right, here we go, Mazel tov. Um Colorado Limerick of the Dam. I'm like, huh. Some of these place names in Colorado are really easy to rhyme. Some are more difficult. That makes the challenge. Either way, either way. I think, hey, this will be fun to create a poem every week. And I talk, oh, maybe I'll do a dozen, two dozen of these. Well, 170-something poems later, <laughs> I am still writing and creating Colorado Limericks of the Damned. And today, this Saturday, March 5th, we're going to Foxfield, Colorado. I'll tell you a little bit about it, and then we'll do a horrible, disgusting, evil poem about Foxfield, Colorado. Our Colorado Limerick of the Dam. A limerick is a comic verse of five lines in which lines one, two, and five will end with words that rhyme. 
and likewise verses three and four also end with words that rhyme. So this is a limerick. Oh, Colorado, Colorado, indeed, ladies and gentlemen. So here's the deal. Um, get the, let's see, how bad is this one? We're going to... Yeah, you don't want to lose the guest. R, is it R-rated? Is it G-rated? Is it... This one is... Oh, yeah. Why yeah. Why don't you hold it? Let's hold it. No, no, no. <laughs> if I hold it, they'll, they'll definitely throw me on Facebook. But you know, our, our Foxfield, Colorado, is a statutory town. So I guess you have to be like, you know, 18 years old to get into it. Oh, wow. uh, it's part of the Denver metro area. I've never been, you know, what probably drove it? through it. Boxfield. Got about 750 people living there, but it's also, it's in that uh, really near Centennial, Colorado, near Aurora. It's really kind of in the heart of things in that Denver metro area. Not really much else to, um, to tell about it. It's, it's part of that. Suburban Denver, if you, if you want to put it like that. So, what else can I tell you about Foxfield? This wretched poem, this Colorado limerick of the damned. <clears throat> if you pick up women in Foxfield, you'd better be wearing your pox shield. The unlucky souls who sampled their holes Caught so much contagion, their cocks peeled. If you want to complain about that, please send an email to Dave's Gone By at AOL.com. Dave's Gone By at AOL.com. I try and read every piece of mail that I get. I don't necessarily have the time to respond. D A V E S G O N E B Y at AOL.com. Or you can always message me, you know, leave me messages or just post right here on this Facebook page. Dave's gone by. That was our uh, Colorado limerick of the damned on Dave's gone by. Oh, oh no! Oh, I, I pulled down the, the volume. I'm sorry. Let's 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 redo that one. Mr. Horace Greeley was no fool. Now we're talking. I'm sure that you agree with me that Greeley was no fool. But he is getting Ladies and gentlemen, yes, you're watching Dave's Gone By live on this Saturday, March 5th, 2020. We've got our Today Yesterday quiz coming up. We've got our Greeley Crimes and Old Times segment coming up. But most importantly, right now, we have our guest ready and waiting in the neighborhood. He is the author of a, a very different kind of a book about the showbiz, about the vaudeville era, the early era of television, and it's sealed with a kiss. Notice we're calling this episode Seal of Approval. Get it sealed for Sharky. We'll explain. Rabbi Saul Solomon is coming into the neighborhood as we speak on a wave of music that this guest will be very familiar with because it's Klezmer. No?
to this episode because joining us in the neighborhood remember to unmute your microphone when we, when we, we want to talk to you there but we have the author of a new book a an, it's an entertaining book also a bit on the scholarly side so it hits both boxes if you will and it's all about kind of a lesser known aspect of the showbiz if you will would you believe that there was a period of time when it was a very big thing to have trained seals on talk shows on the stage on vaudeville and even in a wonderful story in here on broadway well this man's great grandfather was a trainer of seals and basically created this whole idea he wasn't the first person to do it but really made an industry out of training seals like this one sharky to be entertainers ladies and gentlemen an entertainer indeed because not only has this man gary bowen jr written this book he's also a musician himself and has played classroom music with some really wonderful people so would you please welcome to the neighborhood on this shabbos Gary Bohan Jr. Shalom! Shalom. Thanks so much for having me. Oh, you're most welcome, and we are most delighted and thrilled to talk about your book. So the, the thing is, it's one of those um, things, because years ago on this program, we had the grandson of singer-songwriter uh, Benny Bell. You know Benny Bell from Shaving Cream and, and all those novelty songs? And, you all know who that is? I, no, actually, I do not. Oh, oh, well, there goes that anecdote. But the point was, it skipped a generation. It, was, it wasn't Benny Bell's son who wrote the book about his biography and told, oh, this is the guy who wrote Pink is the Peddler. This is the guy who wrote Shaving Cream. It was the grandson. You, what did you, you skipped like two generations. Two generations, yes. Your own family. How did, this, how did this coalesce into actually writing this book about your family and seals? Well, you know, growing up, we as a family didn't really talk about seals and this and this whole lineage, uh, if you can imagine that. And it was another podcaster, actually, that contacted me because he wanted to do a story about Sharky. And I said, well, you really need to talk to my father, which he did. This goes back to 2015 because I didn't I maybe it was brought up two or three times during my childhood. So I didn't have anything to really, to really tell the guy. So he talks to my father, doesn't really go into anything. And then the podcast comes out about three months later. This is now November of 2015. And I listen to the podcast and my jaw drops. I'm thinking, how, how could I not know this? Yeah, exactly. And, and it's good that your dad at least had the stories. And because again, it's, it's all about not even his dad but his dad's dad that should be true yeah that's right although it's actually in part about his dad as well because he got into the business he was uh he was my great-grandfather's son-in-law so my my grandfather yeah do the math and it works out math is useless so so let's get right to it the the, the fellow named Euling, your Mm great-grandpapa was like suddenly got involved with seals 
talk to me. And it was suddenly. He wanted, he was a, he was a young man. He was uh, 23 years old, wanted to become an electrician. So him and his two brothers are off to uh, the city of Buffalo. They, they grew up uh, in, in the outskirts of Buffalo. And on their way, they stopped by a friend. It was, it was the uh, uncle, their uncle's wife's brother. Some more math for you. <laughs> right. Okay. Right. So they stopped by his place. And he happened to be a SEAL trainer, a world so, renowned. Let me stop you right there. So that was already happening. People were already figuring out, oh, a SEAL is cute and can do tricks. Do you know yeah, what that it, really, it was. Really, you start with Eskimos. I mean, who who looked at a SEAL on the ice somewhere and said, oh, you know, if you put a ball on its nose, that's going to be fun. Who, well, who it, large, it largely started with this guy, this, his, my great grandfather's uncle's wife's brother so in the late 1800s wouldn't you know it just through serendipity they stopped by his house he's looking for some assistance yeah and my great-grandfather and two of his brothers say why not why not yes why not and wouldn't you know it they take to it they take to it real fast and this fellow who got him into the business he soon retires they buy him out and the next thing you know, they're traipsing all over the world. Now, here's what I don't understand. Like, seals are incredibly cute, and they're, they're, they're slick, and they're adorable. Right? Okay, they're fine. But, you know, one thing you're told is, oh, seals are also, they're not cuddly little, they, they bite you. They're horribly vicious animals. What makes certain people be able to go to a seal and go, here, here, play cards. Here, toot this horn. And other people like just swimming along and a seal bites their leg off. No, it's true. And and it's a good question because it's paramount to their training, their training techniques. They they bonded with the animals and, and that's really was the first thing they did. Well, really the the very first thing they did was they had to teach the seal, like you said, not to bite. That was a thing. That was a thing. So if you can imagine this, true, and I've got pictures of it, they they would dress up in armor. And, wow! And with articulated at the elbows and the knees, and they'd let the seals hack at them. Okay. And then... <laughs> What a way people earn a living. You know, the, the guy who does this, he sits at a desk all day and sends emails. <laughs> what do you have to do tomorrow, Dave? Oh, I got to put on reticulated armor and have an animal <laughs> bite at me. Oh, boy, what, what, a, what a life I lead. Wow. So as my great-grandfather said, once the SEAL figures out that, that biting the boss is harder than opening up a can of sardines, they stop. And so Maybe. that's... So they, they do they did have to be tamed out of the wild. What is the most complicated trick that you can teach a seal to do? There was a couple complicated tricks. I for me, I think in terms of Sharky, who's the main character of my book. He could type a novel. It's amazing. He could, uh, <laughs> just about. He 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 had a lot of complicated tricks that, that he was able to do. Some of them were balancing. He had a music feature. It was my great-grandfather uh, built a homemade instrument that had buzzer bells and taught Sharky how to play music on the homemade instrument. But really, I think what, 
the most complex thing Sharkey did was he was a comedian. And that was really his calling card. So he was able to oftentimes work on stage without my great grandfather there being president, uh, being present. <clears throat> and he was more often than not, I've got so many uh, anecdotes uh, and, and, and of, of him actually improvising. So he would, would, would not only, he had certain things he had to do that were part of the script. You talked about being on Broadway and Sharky was on Broadway. Wait, for that story, we have to tell that story. We've got <laughs> to, let's tell the story now because this is one of the most, the fun, funniest chat. Yes. Oh, he was much, much more talented than Egg McMahon. I'm much more talented. That's not saying much, but, but here's, here's the, the thing. They, yeah, Sharky actually, Sharky actually worked with Ed McMahon. On the Carson show? No, no. Actually, before Ed McMahon was Johnny Carson's sidekick, he was on this show called Super Circus. Makes, all right, that, that's the one place a seal does make sense. Yeah, show so. Super Circus, but having a Broadway musical, right, written by two of the most important Broadway musical songwriters of their time and really of all time, please, just, I know it's in the book. I know we want people to buy the book, Sharky from SUNY Press. I mean, it's a, it's a fantastic chapter. But if you can just summarize the setup of how Sharky made it to Broadway, it's amazing. It really is. And, you know, it's, uh, and I won't uh, <clears throat> divulge any spoilers. In fact, I, as you know, that's how I start the book. I start the book telling you that Sharky was minutes away from making history. He had made it to Broadway. Only the raising of a curtain separated him from his destiny. That's how I start off chapter one. So the arc of the story isn't so much what I tell the reader what, it's how. How does someone that just two years earlier was happily swimming in the coastal waters of the Pacific? Drugs, well, dr drugs uh, basically brought Sharky low later on. Because <laughs> no, actually, they taught one of the things they taught seals to do was smoke. And, and as soon as Sharky went on the crack, it was it was downhill. It was doing crank. He was it was hanging with but, Richard Pryor. It was it was bad. But, you know, but like my like my great grandfather said, uh, Sharky smoked. He did smoke, but he didn't smoke in bed. Did he inhale? <laughs> did he ever look? <laughs> That's an old joke. All right, no, but okay. But but again, set us up. You've got two incredibly important Broadway songwriters who get news that their next show, and they're off two hits. They're like at the top of their game. And they're like, oh, by the way, this is what's going to happen in your next musical, please. Right, So, and, and, and the two artists we're talking about are none other than Richard Rogers and Lorenz Hart. Rogers and Hart. I've heard of them. Have you? Well, yeah, <laughs> right? yeah, okay. And they were, like you say, they were a Broadway hit factory. Yeah. And they were writing show after show it, it wouldn't be uncommon for them to have multiple shows. In fact, the show that Sharky did, uh, when that show opened, they had another show running simultaneously, Too Many Girls, starring Desi Arnaz. That's the show that put Desi... Oh, he wasn't De one of the girls. No, I mean, yeah, yeah, Desi Arnaz uh, got his start on Broadway. And he had a ball. <laughs> and they, in fact, the later that year... Yeah, yeah. Too Many Girls, they made into a movie, and Desi Arnaz... Nez met someone named Lucille Ball. There you go. In the rest of history. So, so, 
So Desi Arnaz is on Broadway doing a Rogers and Hart play. Rogers and Hart show, yeah. And then Sharky gets onto Broadway. And there's a lot of twists and turns if you've read the book. That when it sounds well, like you've got, book, but give us a little, a little four spice that, that Rogers and Hart were kind of ordered to incorporate a seal into their musical. They, they didn't want to do it. Am I right? they, well, not only did they not want to do it, they didn't know it was happening. So Sharkey was trained in upstate New York, in Kingston, New York. It's about 90 miles north of New York City. And right next to Kingston is Woodstock. Okay. The, the real, not too far. I love the area. Right? In the, right? So wouldn't you know it, a playwright, a Woodstock playwright, sees Sharkey performing at a small library fair. A couple weeks later, this, this is this is story, you cannot make this up. A couple weeks later, she gets the call from someone who's writing the book for this upcoming Rogers and Hart play. This guy is running into, he's getting busy, he's running into difficulties of his own. So this playwright, Gladys Hurlbut, gets the gig to write the book for the next Rogers and Hart musical comedy. And she's just seen Sharky. So she hits on this idea that she's going to add Sharky to the show. Right, right. I mean, there's this idea, I guess a writer gets inspired. And also the writer knows, you know, there's about 10, 15 minutes now in the second act I really don't have to worry about. You just put the seal on the stage. It does tricks. And then (laughs) I just wrap everything up after a song or two. Right, except uh, that's not the way it really went down. Sharky didn't do a whole bunch of tricks like you might think. She actually wrote him into the cast. So he had a part. He had a part to execute. And it was Othello, so it was a really messed up. No, I, I can't. And, and so she didn't really exactly tell anyone, and they all show up for rehearsals. And Lorenz Hart, as I point out in the book, Lorenz Hart is fuming, oh. and he's also boozing. And it's one, it's one calamity after the next. It's, it's really just a a tragedy of errors this poor show and they've got the best people in stagecraft robert Al- i know this is a theater-based podcast so robert alton is doing the choreography uh, lucinda ballard is doing the uh, costume designs multiple tony award winner uh, joe uh, uh joe melziner is doing uh, the sets i think he he won a ton of tonys the tonys when this play was uh, went on in 1940, the Tonys hadn't uh, arrived yet. But so, so it's the best people in stagecraft. It's Rogers and Hart. The three principals are Jack Haley, who had just got done doing The Wizard of Oz as the Tin Man. Shirley Ross, just coming off a bunch of Hollywood films with Bing Crosby and Bob Hope. And Marta Eggert, operetta star, operetta star from, uh, <clears throat> from Hungary. So it's just, it's a star-packed show, but it's one, the wheels are falling off every which way, and I won't go into exactly how. Um, I'll, I'll save that for those reading the book. And it gets, and, and on a wing and a prayer, it gets to opening night. Right, right. And I, and you know, I won't even say what happened, but it's just, it's, it's a wonderful story. And, and go figure, just the way Broadway, you, you get, um, you know, 
delight snatched from the jaws of near tragedy. And, and then what was supposed to be uh, like, how on earth are you going to put a seal into a Broadway musical becomes in some ways the reason to see that Broadway music. I wish there were more seals in Broadway music. It would be very tough <laughs> right, to put them in cats. Right, right. Cats would be tough because they just they eat the seal. It would be a bloodbath because, you know, fish and, and, and cats. But ladies and gentlemen, we're talking to the author of Sharky, Gary Boang Jr., when sea lions were the stars of show business, available from SUNY Press. Now, you know, Gary, also I just want to ask, though, tons of seals do tricks, right? They got this particular one. He was like the runt of the litter. He didn't even know why the guy sold it to him. What, what did Sharky, what magic, what made him <laughs> the Ethel Merman of, of seal actor people? But I can't believe I just said that. But you know what I mean. Well, you know, Sharky, he was he was a jock. He was the class valedictorian. And he was a comedian. He was the exactly. class clown. You say you so, say class valedictorian. Can you also explain the reference because your your grandpa set up a school, if you will? He did. He set up a college. He set up a and which he called seal college so i at the onset of the show i heard you and your uh your wife were talking about uh, uh dave's wife i'm, I'm dave's wife's my my <clears throat> apologies um talking about where the where they were uh, where they would uh where they in a pool or yeah things of that sort so this college had several pools it had a main tank and it had two smaller tanks and were these sea lions, sea, sea lion seals that they were one and the same. They were, Sharky was really a California sea lion. But back in the day, they called them seals. Got it. Okay. Because they are different creatures, believe me. They're, they're not exactly the same. They're, the flipper is a little different on a seal versus, at least I looked this up. I'm, I'm not wrong about this. No, no, you're exactly right. It's, um, the, the seals, uh, the sea lions are more, uh, they're better, better able to get around. Uh, and, and by the way, how many times in your life have people told you the, the walrus and car joke? How many times have you, why is the walrus like a, uh, a gasket in the car? Because they both like a, a tight seal. How, yeah, many I, have, <laughs> how many people have told you that joke? I've, I've heard the Tupperware version, but yeah. Well, yes, yes, of course. Yeah, you're right. Absolutely right. Yes. Ah, Continue. I don't even know what that oh. but continue. Well, no, again, if you have a Broadway show, right, and you're putting a seal in it, is there a giant tank backstage and he goes in there and he comes out? What happens? I mean, what do you do with a seal when he's not on stage? So the, a, a seal, sea lion seal, they can be out of water for a certain period of time. Okay, for how long? Like, I, you know, I don't know exactly how long, but, but enough where Sharky actually knew when to come on stage. So he, he could tell by the music when he was due. That's fantastic. I love So he would he would hang out backstage with the boys in the boys' dressing room. And without a without any prodding from his trainer, he would amble on over to the stage when his part was due. And then he'd go and do his scene. And then he'd go back and he'd win at poker. It was it was and amazing then- <laughs> he could do it. No, there is one story also early in the book that made me kind of mad because I'm wondering about how long a seal can be out of water. That that went in previews when the show 
was, or like the day before opening night or whenever it was, he was stolen. He was. There were tryouts, just like they are today. So before they went to Broadway, they had tryouts, first in New Haven, then they went to Boston. And Sharkey was kidnapped, seal-napped. Well, at least it wasn't squid-napped. <laughs> yeah, a little comedy there. And again, I'll, I'll save the details because it's really one of the craziest stories in the book, well, as you know. It, it made me, because um, I was worried, because he literally, he, I, I won't tell, I'm not going to give it away. We want people to buy the book. But he's really taken away from the theater. He's, he's on city streets. And I have to wonder what the hell that does to the underside of a, of a seal that's just kind of used to being on ice or water. I, I, I'm amazed he wasn't somehow physically damaged by the experiment. Which, and he well, wasn't. It was funny. He was stolen. It was a stunt. It was a thing. But he, he was okay. Which, which no, he was, he was scampering through the streets of Boston. Right. Because his seal nappers lost control of him. <laughs> and he escaped. That's what happened. Yes. Yeah. And he ended up in a Harvard University dorm in a bathtub well, and that's where the cops the, found him yeah yeah wait not only was he in a bath i mean as long as we're giving away the story somehow nobody else did this for him he went into a bathtub and turned on his own water oh my god that was one of his tricks yes he was able to draw himself <laughs> a bath could he make some martini <laughs> he probably could if he had a thing big enough what a what a story of this wow. so um let me it was amazing. I mean, I mean, did you ever, when you were gathering all this information, when you were learning about your family, when you were, were thinking about even writing this book, did it occur to you? I mean, have you gone with SEAL people and watched them train SEALs? Did you do some stuff with actual SEALs yourself, or is this all just research? It was all just research. In fact, I knew so little about my family's heritage. I can remember just taking my kids to see a, a trained SEAL show. And the thought didn't even come into my mind that this is what my relatives had done. Wow. Th that's, how, that's how divorced it was. No, from... but once, once you started writing, did you think, oh, you know, I should probably, wherever the hell they're doing, I should go to SeaWorld and talk to them and see what's involved. And maybe they'll let me, you know, toss some fish or, or, or teach her, or even that, do you just say, no? Yeah, you know, I didn't do it. I thought of maybe going to the Boston Aquarium, but the, the, uh, what my great grandfather had these seals do is so unlike hmm. what seals typically do and what you might see a seal do at an aquarium or a theme park. So you've got Sharky, for example, I've already mentioned that he's, He's on the stage. He's not doing tricks. He's actually executing his part. And I, I went to uh, the New York Public Library, got a hold of the manuscript, of the finalized manuscript. So I had all the reviews. I had the manuscript. And I could see where Sharkey was improvising, him and Jack Haley. This is so I'm looking at the I'm looking at the script, and then I'm reading, I'm thinking. Wait a minute. He wasn't supposed to do that. And it was so, so yeah. So, but let me ask you, um, Gary Bowen Jr. Let me, let me also ask you about this after the Broadway show. He's mm -hmm. on, uh, not Carson. He's on um, Sullivan, mm -hmm. and he's on 
tons of TV shows, just basically Sharky or the whole school of them. Just basically Sharky. Yeah, he was the standout. In fact, the when the Nielsen ratings came into play in the early 50s, there was out of the top 10 shows on television, Sharky had been on six of them. Wow. And he wasn't even on CPO Sharky, which was, <laughs> he was not. Even, no, that, that's... So he had a huge television presence and he also was big. He did a lot of theater work. Wait, wait, what uh, else do you do in the theater? What, what on earth else? What else could he possibly do in the theater? What show? In the theater, in the theater he had a routine. So he had a routine yeah. of, uh, and there he would do some of what we would call tricks. Oh, and he plays he plays musical instrument. He he'd also clown around with the with the crowd. Because I once saw a couple of otters doing Beckett's Endgame. I didn't. It wasn't. It didn't. <laughs> uh, it was a great idea. I, but but didn't have. But the, the book goes from 1907 to 1958. Is that the the year he died, or why suddenly? Like because we don't really think about trained seals much, excepting aquariums now. What was sort of the yeah, so the, the the two dates, quite simply, 1907 is that is the year where my great grandfather and his two uncles stumbled upon the family friend and got into the business. That was 1907, and then 1958 was the year that Sharky died. Oh, okay. So so it's really about the Sharky era as opposed to just the trained seal era. Even though, I, yeah, I guess it went into the 60s and 70s where you would see. Um, maybe we don't see them anymore because there aren't that many kinds of entertainment shows or it's America's got human talent and they don't, you know, I, I don't remember any stupid seal tricks on Letterman, which would have been kind of wonderful if he, he'd done that. Yeah, I mean, the 50s, yeah. when when television got big in the 50s, vaudeville was a big part of the early variety shows, a huge part. So that's why you could have someone like Sharky, who was at the top of his profession. That's why he was doing all the big shows, Sullivan, Milton Berle, uh, Sid Caesar, Imogene Coca, uh, people of that sort. And, and Steve Allen. I'll, I'll share, like, well, the, one of the nice things about the book is the book is just full, um, a little hard to see, but full of photographs. Like every couple of pages, there's Sharky with famous one it was it the three stooges there they are literally i said it and there they are the three stooges i'm gonna hold that up a little bit closer see just and, and so many where did you were these from the archives of your family or did you have to go like getting permission to get um these photographs from other sources from the times or wherever yeah that that and, by the way that that last photograph was lawrence melchior who was with the new york metropolitan and the Danish Royal Opera. Of course, of course. And he did yeah. a couple of weeks with Sharky, of course. Did, did any of them, I mean, some people I'm sure were like thrilled and adorable and, and were any of them like just doing it for the paycheck and like, oh my God, my career was here and now I'm second tier to a seal. Well, of course the, uh, of course the seals were doing it just for the fish. <laughs> that would make sense, yes. But I'm, I'm talking about the humans that they were, <laughs> The famous people that they were with. The my grandfather, you know, or, or any of them. Who? Yeah, and uh, 
And, and to just to answer your previous question, in terms of where I got the pictures, I there was a, from all sorts of different sources. I got a lot from my father. I got a lot from my uncle. Uh, but then I went to archivists. Uh, I went to sometimes real, uh, I get lucky. I find a picture on eBay. Oh, wow. Yeah. So you, and once you buy the picture on eBay, you can't, I mean, the photographer is dead. I mean, who, who are you paying just for the photo? And you assume you can use it or how does that yeah, it, You know, it depends. You know, copyright was different back then. Hmm. So that's the first thing you have to look is whether or not it had a copyright notice. So if it, if it was used as a press photo and didn't have a copyright notice, and it's before, I think, the year 1978 or something like that, it's considered okay. public domain. Yeah. yeah. But some of them did. There's, I got a great shot of, of one of the sea lions with Buster Crab. And um, it's a Paramount Pictures. because They were working for uh, Paramount at the time, uh, the, uh, one of the seals. And on the bottom is a little copyright notice. So I couldn't use that one. I, I tried to contact Paramount, but uh, they, I didn't hear back. But anyway. Well, well, been your, I also wonder about this, because SUNY Press is a university uh, press. Wouldn't they have taken that? Wouldn't there have been somewhere where it, been, it was all on you to do everything, gather everything, uh, get the permissions? Yeah, the permissions. There's an index. I mean, how did you get all the, the work work done as opposed to the the writing and the quote unquote fun part of the book. Right. So the permissions was on me and I did have to get some permissions. I used a couple of pictures and a lot of people, I, when I would contact them, um, they would just give me the permission and no gratis, which was really nice. Yeah. Uh, that happened, that happened a fair amount. And then others, it was a very small fee. And, uh, and then there was a couple where I, um, it was a slightly larger fee, but nothing too prohibitive. But but I'd say out of the, there's 54 pictures in the book. And I needed, uh, I'm, I'm going to say I needed permission probably for about 15 of them. Okay, well, that's not, that's not, how long, when, when you first said, you know what, this is not just going to be a story I'm going to tell my children. This is not just for me. I'm not just going to, I'm going to write a book from beginning to end. How long did this take you? Six years. Vault. Yes. If, if you know that it would take six, well, yeah, I think you would do it again. I think this is the story that you had to tell. I would absolutely do it again. Yeah, I'm in a different phase now with the book. The book's coming out April 1st. So I'm in a different phase of the journey, if you will. And I and I I try to calculate how much time it was certainly thousands of hours I put into it. Well, do you but I writing? loved every I loved every second. Well, do you think you'll write another book about something else or more about your family or maybe, I don't know, trained walruses? That'd be, I don't know if they have them. <laughs> well, I, I, actually, this is also a question that, that uh, we're thinking about here that uh, came from the gallery, if you will. Have, have you gotten any blowback in terms of, even though you're writing about history, have you gotten any PETA people or animal rights people fetching? And saying, no, you're glorifying, you know, the use of animals in ways that they should not be used. And seals should, I mean, it's better than making them into coats, but not that much. Have you heard anything from people like that? I, no, I haven't. Of course, the book has not come out yet. Oh, oh sorry. Yes. Right. But, but you know, that, that, that could very well be. Your reply, would you, would you defend the way seals are treated? Would you say, 
it was another time and they went they shouldn't have done it but they did how what would be your defense or or just the, go away? my first comment to anyone making um such a charge at, at uh, the book would be have you read the book because history is not always as black and white as people think and especially this story it's got it's really a, a bunch of tapestries of of, of gray there's nothing and, and in terms of any notion that the the animals were were mistreated is i i fully uh, do away with that they uh my great-grandfather and his two brothers they were they were in love with these animals they 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 treated they gave they they practically treated them better than humans they built them their own facilities the the one uh, Char sharky's predecessor charlie had his own facility and his, and his own personal butler and he had he had his own personal someone that a caretaker butler <laughs> that used to go on the road with them and his his job in life was to mm -hmm. provide for his his care and comfort they had they would they would go to they had veterinarians local veterinarians in my hometown that they would take the sea lions to so i know now if i ever don't want to be a rabbi anymore i know that i want to just i'm going to apply i'm going to go on linkedin or indeed and just get a job as a seal butler how about <laughs> <laughs> What a life! And, and you know, any fish he doesn't leave over, I can fry up on a Friday. Uh, you know, and, and just have there you it. go, there you go. But they Nate both herring, they, uh... Nate herring. I'm in. I'm totally. In. Let me before we bring in. Oh, actually, we're we are bringing in um, in a moment or two people to play the today yesterday game with Dave, the history quiz that you're staying for, Gary. So, but quick question, but we haven't even talked about your music stuff. Um, you play a cornet. And I, I just, I sort of think I know what, what, but, but uh, what the fuck is a cornet? <laughs> I've never had it quite put to me like that. Oh, you haven't? Um, <laughs> it's very, it's very similar to a trumpet. It's the same range. It's the same fingering. The bell is a bit it's more conical. Yeah. So it's, it's a, it's a slightly softer, uh, mellower sound, but it, but it can still, uh, you can still get a biting sound to it like a trumpet but it's a little it's a little mellower than a trumpet and it blends better so for example in klezmer music you often find a coronet because you're having to blend with clarinets and violins and accordions and it was really the instrument uh the period instrument of, of the era back in the day uh and and it does i think it does blend uh blend better klezmer music would be well, well you know what dave may ask you a couple of quick questions about music too so but i have to to go i gotta get back to services i've been holding my congregation for like half an hour now it's not nice but it has been so nice talking with gary bohan jr the author of sharky when sea lions or stars of show business not available yet having you on a little early but april 1st no fooling april 1st this goes on sale from suny press the university thing right there is an excelsior edition oh oh get it get several copies what a, what a wonderful holiday gift for the sea lion lover in your life and, and this this will be usually i play klezmer music to um to come out of this but this will be music to your ears stay right there gary 
Stay right there. Dave will be here to do more of the Dave's Gone By show. Seal noises, by the way. That's actually uh, Rabbi Sal farting in the other room. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, we are still here with Dave's Gone By. It's about a quarter after ten in the morning Eastern oh, time. Dave, Dave, uh, Dave has his, his playbook to jam. And he does. We Joining us in the neighborhood, first of all, welcome to David Sheward. He's a theater critic for theaterlife.com and for uh, culturaldaily.com. Has a blog also called The David Desk. And David... I, I, <laughs> no, it's worse. Worse for theater critics. <laughs> um, David Sheward, you are going to be talking with well, hopefully Leslie Hoban Blake and Gary Bohan Jr., author of this book, uh, Sharky. When sea lions were stars of show business, and can you? That David is the kind of guy who would know this. Can you name the Rogers and Hart oh, musical? It's not part of the quiz. Not part of the. Quiz. It's not part of the that starred Sharky. The actual live train seal. Oklahoma. Oh, oh, uh, David, um, you're you're muted. Hold on. Oh, got it, got it. Sorry, Jumbo. No, that had an no. elephant. You know, that's a great guess because that that's Rogers and Hart. But that had an elephant. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to think. See a sea lion. I married a witch. <laughs> hey. <laughs> no. Dave, is this one of the trivia oh, questions? Because I know oh, the answer. Oh, no. Their show, I'm sorry. Their show is I Married an Angel. This is sorry about up. that. This is the warm-up. Yeah. Or but, I Married a Walrus. Or but, I Married uh, Leslie. Uh, is there, what's it called? It was uh, Gary. You know, you, of course. Know oh, well, uh, let, me, let me think a minute. Let me think a minute. Uh, Rogers and Hart. Let me see. If, if they one. asked me, I could write a seal <laughs> about the way you flap your flippers and eat oh. eels. <laughs> And the audience will know that I eat fish, and to <laughs> kiss you would be my fondest wish. Aww. And okay. I would not be a phony, da da da, when I want a Tony as best animal. Oh, okay. What, what's the show? Higher and higher. Higher and higher? You have oh, higher and higher. Oh, okay. yeah, yeah, higher and higher. Yeah, it was um, a Rogers and Hart show that incorporated an actual seal into not just uh, as as a trick thing, but as one, a member of the cast. Oh, uh, Sharky actually recited whole passages of William Butler Yeats' poetry. It was amazing. Wow. Yeah, but anywho, welcome, David. How was your week? Oh, uh, it was uh, it was fine. Um, let me see what was going on. Not not too much. I did. Uh, I have a review uh, to, uh, I did see two shows last weekend, English and uh, The Hang by Taylor Mack and, and uh, uh, English was very good it was very entertaining, it was about a bunch of Iranian students in Iran learning English and uh, The Hang I thought was, looked nice and it was fun to look at 
uh-huh. but very confusing. Yeah. Well, I saw that, that. What was the Taylor Mac show he did on Broadway? That uh, 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 Gary or a sequel to Titus Andronicus? Oh, hate it, hate it like crazy. Well, I could see what he was doing. I, I got the intention, but uh, uh, you know, I, I heard the hang was like, "Oh, this is wonderful! It's the best thing that ever happened." As like, you know, it's it, it's in, it's interesting, but it was not well hung, is what you're. Ah! 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 Welcome, ladies. We are not to be. How about an all seal? How about an all seal Hamlet? Thank you. <laughs> what do you? What did I miss? What are you talking about? An all seal Hamlet. Oh, I heard that part. What came before James, that? James Tyrone Jr. would star in it. Wow. <laughs> so we're, oh. listen, our guest in the neighborhood is Gary Bohan Jr., who's written an entire book about his great-grandfather training seals, including Sharky, who appeared on Broadway. Ethically, ethically oh, my ethically. goodness. Is that Tallulah Bankhead he's with? Who's, who's that actress, uh, Gary? Do, do it looks like I, Arlene Dahl. I do not know. She, no, it's not Tallulah Bankhead, but... Uh, Maybe it's Arlene Dahl? Maybe. Yeah, I, think, I don't think it was anything... I don't, I don't think the actress is well, anyone that was well-known. You mean Sharky didn't make her a star? <laughs> no. Gladys Gladys Schlepperman. <laughs> the, the unfortunate and unsung Gladys Schlepperman. Look at that. Wow. Uh, Rabbi Saul was talking before about the seal smoking. There he is. He picked up the habit early. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I've always loved seals. I've always wondered how people could keep a seal in the house. You have to put them in the bathtub, right? Well, yeah. <laughs> and here's, here's Abin Costello. Tell, tell Leslie that he had his Oh my goodness. Anyway, hello. It's nice to meet you. Good morning. On the lower left quadrant of my, ever, of my Zoom. I'm was there ever a, a sitcom with a seal as the, uh, like, pet? The Well, not necessarily a sitcom, but but Sharky did quite a bit of television. He oh. I, There's a, a great routine he did with Imogene Coca that oh. I talk oh. about at length in the book. Did, and Imogene was, uh, was really, really t- television's first uh, female... Uh, superstar. You know, superstar. She got there a little bit, little bit before Lucille Ball, uh, and so Sharky went on. Uh, in fact, he was the special guest with Sid Caesar oh. and, and Imogene Coca, and uh, and Imogene and Sharky did a skit. Did, the, the whole thing is hilarious, and is it's all. Avail- I mean, can we go see that on YouTube? Not right now, but can it's, is that it, available? Is, is if you look hard enough, it is. Yes. Is, yeah. Did Did Sharky ever work with Lucille Ball? He did not. No. <laughs> she worked with she worked with chimps, but she was she was no fool. She didn't work with seals. <laughs> My father was her husband's dentist. Her, she was married to King Donovan, Luce, Imogene Coca. Oh, I, um, no. okay. So he and was, yeah. So I would meet her occasionally, and really? years later, um, she did an act with him. At a at one of the clubs, um, the one that that uh, Woody Allen used to play at. He did an act with her dentist. She did an act with Sid Caesar when he tried to. Oh, I, I was he, a seal. All right, I'm lost. And I'm she so was, lost. okay. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, on. I just got off on on imaging Coca. Forgive me. It's okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. She was just a kind, wonderful lady. I knew, I didn't know her from you know from TV. I knew her as a kind, wonderful mm. lady. That's nice. Now you are a kind, wonderful lady. Leslie Hovang Blake, you are a kind, wonderful lady, David Sheward. And yes, I am. I'll say the same for you, Gary Goldman. <laughs> we are here. It's the mustache that threw the rest of us off, David. 
Let's um let's play the game. This is a trivia game called Today Yesterday. We do it every week. And um, <laughs> are we in a hurry? We're always in a hurry. No, we're, we're always. No, no, in a hurry. But I have one one quick question for David and David. Are, with the new rules, with the new uh, the 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 laxing of the rules. That's not a verb, but um, the letting go of the of the vaccination and mask rules. Oh, I thought you were you, Will you continue to go to theater? I understand that the vaccination check will be in until the end of March, and then it's supposed to go. And I wondered if you would if how how you both feel about that. Oh, I, 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 I'm still going to wear a mask and I'll still go. Okay. Even if they don't check people's vaccination. Yeah. Because yes, yes. I'll still wear all right. I'm going to try to go during March and see whatever I missed, but I don't know if I want to go at the other. I mean, I just was ready to go back and they took away the rules. Well, do it before, before the end of March. I have to start Monday. To I know it just yeah. happened. Yeah. I, yes, I know. Okay. Well, I go, Thank I you. Go. I just wanted to get your opinions on how you felt about it. That's all. I'm I sorry. I didn't I mean to but are they admitting that. seals? I'm sorry. Oh. <laughs> well, yeah, I needed your seal of approval. I needed your seal of approval, okay? That's right, that's right, that's right there. Um, yeah, I'll be up there admitting seals, but not crofts. So that's caused Oh, oh I get it. I get it. Yeah. Yeah. Let's tell the rules, since Gary hasn't played the game before. It's a trivia game called Today, Yesterday. And it's real simple. It's just um, everybody gets a question. There's three rounds with each of you getting your own question, which is worth two points if you get it right. If you get it wrong, there's no penalty. But one of the other contestants gets to steal. Basically, that's it. And then there's a tiebreaker, which you'll need a little piece of paper and a pen or, or some kind of writing implement to do. No big deal. But Gary, since you are our guest today, our brand new friend of the neighborhood, can you kindly pick a number between one and six and tell us what it is? Two. Two. Gary squeezing out a number two. So wait, where's my... <laughs> we got that, we got that. Gary? Oh. Watch out, Gary. You're in for a lot of that before the end of the... <laughs> I got a lot of it. And let's see, Leslie Hoban Blake, if you would, wouldn't mind. What... I will take my regular six, please. Go ahead, make a joke out of that one. <laughs> and... Uh, I'll say, okay, I'll say three. Three, David with a three. And Leslie, it's because you have six appeal. That's why you say that. Uh, oh, I love you, David. <laughs> oh, thank you so much. Let me oh, let me get rid of that. Sorry, why. Joyce. Uh, <laughs> there, there's enough for David to go around. <laughs> oh, look at this. Gary, I, maybe it's beginner's luck, but we just rolled a two. We have a digital dice rolling um, website thing that I click. So the die came up with your number. Would you like to go first? second or third in the game i'll go first whoa ballsy move gary <laughs> i'm rolling again where the number four doesn't count count it all because didn't roll uh number five let's see what this one comes up as uh number three david Sheward. would you rather go i'll second be i'll third? be second david Sheward second leslie hoban blake bringing up the toughest that's right. Uh, I'll be one of those horses where they say, bringing up the rear. Oh, look, she's still laps ahead. Oh, look, she's through the gate. That's it. She wins. That's it. Um, and, and That's the one. My wife, Joyce, reminds me, uh, Gary, one of the things about this, the game is ridiculous. Some of the trivia questions are actually legit. Some of them are like, you're, you're almost guessing. Obscure. A lot of people get nothing 
Uh, uh, don't feel bad if you, you got a goose. I'm going to get a pencil and paper while you're talking because I forgot. Um, Dave, Dave, you're telling me the game is ridiculous. You're talking to an author, a biographer of a trained seal. So <laughs> I, I'm okay. Well, Nick, is Sharky. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, so, Gary, this first question goes to you. You chose to go first. So it's, it's a trivia question, and it happens to be a multiple choice. Are you ready? Did you tell him that? the date had something to do with it or we're not even saying that anymore i forgot um (laughs) one thing that ties almost all of these questions together is that every single thing every question is based on an event that happened march 5th in history today's march 5th 2022 these all happen on march 5th for example your question was march 5th 1616 well it was a tough day for copernicus's publisher his book the revolution lands on the Index Librorum Prohibitorum, the church's list of books that Catholics were forbidden to read. That index lasted until 1966 when Pope Paul repealed it. Over the centuries, dozens of astronomers, philosophers, and other authors landed on the banned list. Among them, all of these folks, except who? A, Charles Darwin, B, Immanuel Kant, C, Victor Hugo, D, John Milton. <laughs> and Sharky with all of them. Sharky. They worked with several, yeah. One more time, please. Sure. Who of these was not on this list, this Index Librorum Prohibitorum, from the Catholic Church. Was it A, Charles Darwin, B, Immanuel Kant, C, Victor Hugo, D, John Milton? I'll go Victor Hugo, C. Is that your final answer? Yes. Well, Gary, Hugo your way, but I'm afraid I have to go mine, and that is not the correct answer. He was, in fact, on the list. So we're going to roll the die, and we're going to see who, perhaps, gets to steal the question that came up. Number five didn't work. Roll again. Leslie Hoban Blake. I'm gonna okay. I'm gonna say that the one who was not on the list would be Milton. Was Paradise Lost? I think the Church loved Paradise Lost. I could be wrong. I don't remember. I, it's too, I'm, it was too long ago for me to remember. So, but is that your final answer? Yeah, when you read the list, I I, I thought all the others were uh, against the teachings of the church, but Milton's Paradise Lost it follows the fall of Satan. So, yeah, that's it. I I was just pontificating. Go ahead. Well, it's not Paradise, but uh, unfortunately, you lost Leslie Hoban Blake. He's on the list, or he was. So, David Sheward. All right. All right. Now, uh, okay, so it was between Darwin and Kant. And you probably put Kant in there just so you could say, you can't be right, darling. Uh, Darwin is the obvious choice to have been on the list because he said, you know, uh, 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 origin of species. And it wasn't God, it's nature. Uh, So I'll have to go with Kant. I can't. I can't go on. Is that your final answer? Yes, yes. 
sure you underestimate me, Dave, because I would make a, a joke about a dripping wet cunt. But no, no, I, yes, ladies and gentlemen, it's Dave's gone by. Oh! Yeah, I'm so glad you didn't do Too that. early in the morning. <laughs> and guess what? I've what? stumped all of you guys. It was, really, Dar- the question, the only person oh, who was really on interesting. the Catholic list. Was, was Darwin? Darwin? Yeah. I guess they didn't bother. Right. I almost got kicked out of Lutheran school for my eight-year-old version of of Darwin because our teacher was a minister. I don't ask. My dad was in the army, and there were no. We had we lived in the barracks, and there were no schools, and I wound up in a Lutheran school. Okay. It was the better, lesser of two evils. It was Catholic or Lutheran. My mother thought Lutheran would be better since she was raised a Catholic. Okay. Uh, Leslie. All of that. And I and and my parents had told me at home, you know, an eight-year-old's version of the origin of the species. And when we were doing Adam and Eve in, in the Bible storybook that I still own, I said, oh, well, that's a lovely story. But my mama said, and then I went, you know, basically I said, we, we descended from apes. And the minister stood there like this over an eight-year-old child and said, oh, are you trying to tell me that we came from monkeys? And the class went into an uproar. And I, you can't imagine what the, the monkey girl things I got in the playground it's, and whatnot. Yeah. Is is Jessica Lang going to do the movie version? Only if she has a big enough hand. <laughs> it's actually a, a great classic childhood trauma story. Thank you. Oh God, yes. Yeah. No, so I can I can see a little moment like that just staying with you and, and fucking you up for years. Yes, it made me hate Lutherans. Basically, <laughs> that was funny. You know? No, I hope you're not a Lutheran, Gary. I hope I'm not hurting anyone's feelings here, David. I don't know about you. <laughs> Well, all right, let's let's get on to our next question, which goes directly to David Schuert. Okay. And let's see if somebody... The wait, big D. The big D. Let's see if you can get on the board with this multiple choice question. March 5th, ninth, uh, excuse me, 1770. Nine British soldiers opened fire on a hostile crowd of colonists, killing uh, five. Ah. John, sorry? I yeah. just said, ah, go ahead. Ah, ah. John Adams defended the soldiers getting six of them acquitted using logic, eloquence, and racial attacks on Crispus Attucks, who was the first person killed in this Boston massacre. Speaking of Boston, which of these is false about that fair city? All right. A, because Boston University has a bridge over a subway rail, it's the only place in the world where a plane can fly over a car, riding over a train, riding over a boat. B, you can go for a drink after work, but you gotta pay full price. Happy hour is illegal. C. Fig Newtons were named for the Boston suburb of Newton, Massachusetts. Or D. In 2006, three workers at the Bush's canning plant in Chestnut Hill, Tennessee, were killed when a storage tank of Boston baked beans burst. Only one of these is false. Oh, and, uh, okay. Only one of these is false, huh? Uh, the plane and the car and the boat. Hmm. That sounds real. Wait, so read number A again. Letter sure. A. A is, because Boston University has a bridge over a subway, <laughs> it's the only place in the world where a plane can fly over a car, riding over a train, or riding over a boat. Or B, you can go for a drink after work, but you gotta pay full price. Happy hour is illegal. And Fig Newtons and some people in Tennessee got killed by some beans. Right. Uh, all right. Now, I, I so that A is very convoluted. 
And I'll bet it's not the only place in the world where a plane can fly over a car that flies over a boat. Is that what you're saying? It's the only place in the world where a plane flies over a car, which can fly a over a boat. A plane flies over a subway, over a car, over a... Uh, a plane flies over... A plane can fly over a car, riding over a train, riding over a boat. That's the way the question is written. How can it, the train be over the boat? There's a plane, and then there's a bridge. So there's a bridge, there's a car on the bridge, and then the bridge is over a subway. But where does the boat come in? I, the, I can see the subway, the train, the subway train being under the boat because the water would be over the boat. So I'll say A is false. Is that your final answer? Yeah, it's also it would be two A's in a row, but that's fine. Well, I'm afraid that question took you for a ride, David Schuert. Yeah. It is possible. There's a plane, right? And then bridge, and then an elevated subway, and then, you know, water under it. Oh, the elevated subway is on the bridge? No, there's a bridge over the... Over the over. There's a bridge, over, over, but where's the boat? Where's the water? The water. The, the, the boat is the lowest thing. You probably get a submarine under the boat. Uh, if you really, and, and, and then seal it. You have, have to I visualize will. it, David. I won't belabor it. Go yeah, ahead. Well, there's Google. There's, there's pictures. Right. You can actually see. Go ahead. On the Go ahead. Anywho, we get a steal opportunity from one of our other players. Let's roll the die. Number one. Number three. Oh, actually, that'd be cool. I could. Ah, um, Gary, you can get on the board because you can steal this question. What is your choice? So the one that's not true... That's what I'm going for. You're looking for the one that is not true, correct? Yeah. The Fig Newton. I forget what letter it is, but... Letter C. Fig Newtons were named for the Boston suburb of Newton, Massachusetts. Yeah. That's that's my answer. Not true. Well, I'm afraid that was a figment of your imagination. It is true. Fig <laughs> Newtons were actually named for Newton, Massachusetts. This is the Obam Lake... Let's get you on the board. Let's get you some points. I mean, Isaac Newton didn't invent the fig Newton after he dropped the apple. He, he didn't do that, huh? Well, if he dropped a fig, it would make sense, but no. Okay. I always, yeah, well, he Go ran out of world. apples. Yeah. Okay, all right. So I'm left with B is no happy hour and D is Bush's Boston baked beans. Right. First. I, I, I don't want to sound racist. <laughs> Okay. Or, well, it's not racist exactly, but I don't want to sound like I, I have a thing against Boston, and I don't, but I do believe that Boston University, I would all, I would be willing to bet that they invented happy hour there. Not that they don't have one, but that they invented it. Um, and I'm basing it on the Saturday Night Live Boston sketches, not because I know much about Boston. I've been there, a lovely city. So I'm going to go with B. There is indeed a happy hour. Is that your <laughs> final answer? Sure. Why not? Well, ordinarily, I would drink to that. Mm. But since but, there's no happy hour. <laughs> yeah, I've stumped you guys again. Oh. In 1984, Michael Dukakis signed a ban on happy hour because too many people were driving drunk after work and causing all these accidents. And it's still in place. You can buy, you can go for a drink after work. 
but there can be no discounts. It can't be two for one. It can't be ladies' night stuff. No oh, discounts. I see. Okay. Yeah. Um, and it is the the false one, by the way, was D about the canning plants and all that. Not that I completely made that up. No. <laughs> however, however, um, what did happen is that in 1919 in Boston, this is horrible. A, st a storage tank of hot molasses burst, killing 21 people in the city. It just became like a flood of molten molasses, and then it like took weeks to clean up. So, yeah. yeah, it was a sticky situation, you know. Speaking yeah. <laughs> of. Speaking of Fig Newtons, I, I used to love the commercial where the guy was dressed as a Fig Newton and he would sing that jingle and he would always say, hit it, Al. I never, I I never saw that in my life. Where did you watch that? Yeah. It was on, it was just a television commercial. How old were you? Like eight. That's why I don't know what it was. That's why I don't know it. Okay. <laughs> well, again, that's probably something fine. Well, one of the nice things about this program is as soon as Dave's gone by ends, You've got 10 reasons to, to go Googling. It's like, you know, seal appearing with. And... Does Google give you a, a percentage of every time we go Google something? No, I'm, really sure that. Your... I'm really sure. <laughs> the... Yeah, that, that's, a, that's a good idea. I should actually make that happen. What I am going to make happen is give this question to Leslie Blake and see if she can be the first person to get on the board in our Today Yesterday quiz for March 5th, 2022. Leslie, are you ready? Sure. <laughs> of course, I, I gotta love this this question here. The year was 1805, premiering tonight at a private party in the home of Prince Joseph Franz von Lobkowitz is Beethoven's Symphony Number no. Four in B Major, Opus 60. Which of the following is true about Prince Lobkowitz? Oh, Lobkowitz. Nah, L-O-B-K-O-W. I-T-Z or C-Z, depending on the, the... Okay. A, he married a relative commoner, and they had three children, none of whom lived past age three. Oh, my Lord. B, Franz Joseph Haydn's final string quartets were commissioned by Lobkowitz. C, Franz Schubert's birthday cantata for Prince Lobkowitz was actually sung by Prince Lobkowitz. <laughs> Or D. As a seal. <laughs> the Palais Lobkowitz in Vienna is now an Apple store. Oh, Lord. One of these is true. What was that last one again, David? The Palais Lobkowitz in Vienna. The Palais Lobkowitz. Okay. <laughs> so one is true, the rest are false. The rest are, are, are false. All right. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. But this I get up in the morning on Saturday. All right. Uh, and where's our friend Vicky anyway? Um, well, Vicky's our third when we don't have a third. No, I know. I just wondered where she was. Uh, so she, he married a commoner and had three children, none of whom lived past a certain age. Haydn wrote for him. Schubert wrote for him. And he sang the Schubert. Or Lobkowitz is now an Apple store. Is that basically it? That is absolutely it. Only one and of them is true. In a two. nutshell. Yeah. And one of them is false. No. Well, three three of them are false. One is true. Oh, one is true. Oh, I, I'm on the, you know, I. I <laughs> mm -hmm. it's too early. I have to get up is what I used to say. I see. It's still true. Okay. Um, one is true. One is true. Yes. Well, the Palais Lapkowitz would have had, had to have been rather small for a Palais to become an Apple store. 
I mean, that's just a corner of, of New York real estate in here. How big could it, could an Apple store be? And in, in, this is Vienna, right? Vienna, yes, yes. Can't imagine it being that big, but okay. Schubert, Haydn. Huh. I'm not sure if Schubert and Haydn were contemporaries or not. I'm not that, that good on this stuff. Uh, if he married a princess, would the children have lived? Just, to, just, to, just the way my mind works. Never mind. Um, and Beethoven debuted at his place. That was the, what you began with, yeah, right? Well, today, eighteen oh five is when. So Beethoven we have to have Beethoven, Beethoven, Haydn, and Schubert all being contemporaries for this to work. Eighteen oh five. Wow. I'm going to go with the most pedestrian one for some reason. I'm just going to say he married a commoner and the three children did not survive. Wait, which is true. True. Which is true. Which is friggin' true. I got to remember which is true. Yeah, I'll say that's true. That the, the kids didn't live. The kids didn't live much in those days. Well, I'm going to reverse that tragedy because I'm not now untrue, nothing to do with a commoner and no kids dying or anything like that. So we have a steal opportunity. Let's see who gets it. Roll the die. Nope, number one. Aren't you happy you came to this game, Gary? <laughs> with Usually the, with, the, with the giant brains here. Well, Gary, it should be very happy he came to this game because you have a steal opportunity right now, Gary. I just rolled a number two. So which would you choose? Could you give me the three remaining answers? You betcha. Okay. Um, remaining are. One of these is true about Prince Lobkowitz. B, Franz Joseph Haydn's final string quartets were commissioned by Lobkowitz. C, Franz Schubert's birthday cantata for Prince Lobkowitz was actually sung by Prince Lobkowitz. Or D, the Palais Lobkowitz in Vienna is now an Apple store. Well, it couldn't possibly be D, or maybe it could, right? It's so absurd. <laughs> I think Schubert comes later, I think. Oh. I already guessed wrong with the Fig Newton. We all guessed wrong. <laughs> so I'm not going to I'm not going to make that I'm not going to make that same food mistake again. I'm going with the Apple Store. Final answer. So the Palais Lobkowitz in Vienna is now an Apple store, is your final answer. Yeah. Oh, your answer was rotten to the core. That is not <laughs> the correct answer. Leslie had a uh, more, I guess, I didn't realize the Apple store was so small, but whatever. Well, you, relatively. You, you have a steal opportunity here. Um, okay. Get on the board. What are the okay? So it's Haydn and something else. And Go ahead. And Schubert. Give, give read, read the whole thing. Sure. B. Franz Joseph Haydn's final string quartets were commissioned by Lobkowitz, or or C. Excuse me. Franz Schubert's birthday cantata for Prince Lobkowitz was actually sung by Prince Lobkowitz. Oh, so Haydn was commissioned by Lobkowitz mm -hmm. to do his final symphonies, or C. Uh, Schubert. 
wrote a cantata for Lockowitz's birthday and he sang it. Huh. Well, uh, you know, I, 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 I kind of, and this was, what's, what's the opening about the date and everything? Well, it was 1805 that Beethoven's Fourth Symphony premiered at the oh, okay. house. So. I think Haydn and Beethoven were contemporaries, and I, I, I don't know about Schubert. Uh, oh, dear. Which one is true? I'll go with B, Haydn. Is that your final answer? Your... Well, David, there's no point in hiding. You can come out with two points. Oh, finally. The finally. That is the answer. Yes. Well done, David Sheward. On the David, board. David won last week with, I think, 15,000 points. I don't remember. Right. It was a tremendous number of points that That's he won. That's right. The most so that, ever. That was true. The final string quartets. Um, he didn't finish all six of them, but, but they were commissioned by Lobkowitz. Um Lobkowitz, nothing about the commoner and the dead kids. As a matter of fact, he married a prince's daughter and they had 12 children together, yeah. most of whom lived a while. Um, the, on C, the cantata for Prince Lobkowitz was actually a piece written by Beethoven. Yeah. And, and Lobby's kids were supposed to sing it to, to uh, Franz, but he died before they could. Yeah. Was, that his, was that his beloved nickname? They called him Lobby? Yeah, they, they called Victoria Vicky. Did uh, yeah, did um, uh, Sharky ever perform Haydn's quartets on those horns? You know, no, he didn't. But uh, he did work with several opera stars. Oh, Lawrence Melchior. Who else? Uh, Robert Merrill. Oh, so oh, I you remember may, Robert Merrill. You, yeah, you may remember Robert Merrill. Oh, sure. Uh, he, he Sharky worked with Merrill in the forties. Uh, when uh, well, Merrill I don't was... remember him in the 40s, but you know. No, but the uh, but Merrill's career went into the 70s, and and yes. you may you may remember he would sing the national anthem at Yankee games. Oh, cool! Wasn't he married to a beautiful woman, uh, also an opera singer named Roberta Peters? Oh, that that I couldn't tell was you. Was that Robert Merrill? I think that was Robert Merrill. Mm. I remember Roberta Peters. I don't know if they. Were I I think I think they were married at some point. I, I don't remember. know why I think that. Oh, I remember I'm, I'm, the way my mind works. I'm telling you, on a Saturday morning, I have no idea where yes, the brain farts come from. They're brain farts. That's what they the, are. Uh, so, like um, but to finish off that last question, I do want to say that, and you guys will appreciate this especially, the Palais Lobkowitz is now part of the Vienna Museum of Art History, and and in that palace, it's the Theater Museum for Vienna. Oh. So, if you ever go there, that just like. Hmm. Yeah, right. I'm going tomorrow. That was my plan. It was next week. It's my visit. Vienna waits for you, as Billy Joel would sing. So, I've been watching Vienna Blood. Has anybody else been watching Vienna Blood on Channel 13? What I think it? I saw one episode. I love it. It's I'm finding it fascinating. Anyway. What is, I'm sorry, real quick. It's about is, a student of Freud, a young student of Freud. It's back in the in 1900s. It's a young student of Freud who works with a, a police inspector and they solve crimes together. Oh, and it's much better than I made it sound. <laughs> well, that, no, it sounds like something Joyce would, would really enjoy, actually. So. Yeah, Joyce, take a look at it. They've also got an early, um, what are those people called? The coroner. They've also got an early coroner. I'm watching okay. the, Anna, the Anna Sorkin one. Yeah. Then... Joyce is watching, is it on Peacock or what's that on? Or is that yeah, on? I think um, it's on Netflix. Oh, yeah. um, there's one about um, inventing Anna. 
Oh, oh yeah. Oh, that was wonderful. I, I, I binge watched that. I watched, because you said, you mentioned it, David, and I went off and binge watched it. It was great. It was the Inventing Anna one. Anyhow. That was you who mentioned it, wasn't it, David? Dave, Dave or David or who? Or David Seward. Oh, you mentioned. You were the one who mentioned inventing Anna. Yes. Maybe. Could have been the one about that, that 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 young girl who's who fooled all of New York. Maybe. <laughs> I could have. I to give you credit, Dave, and you're not. I could have. It. Okay. Go ahead. Well, now, it's time to begin. Excuse me. The second round of our today yesterday quiz on this March fifth. 2022, we have David Seward in the lead with two points, but Gary, you can get on the board now if you get this question right, but this is not your typical multiple choice or, or fill-in question. Guess what it's time for? Three clues in the news. Three clues in the news. So this is how this works, Gary. Um, I'm going to mention three separate words. These words are not connected to each other. Each of these words is connected to the word that we are looking for, that you have to come up with. So if I were to say um, couch or sweet, let's say, and you think, well, couch, blank, or sweet, but oh, potato, right? Or blank, it could be blank word or word blank. Each of these three words is connected to the word we're looking for. And the word we're looking for is related to something that happened in the news this week, okay? Do you seem thoroughly perplexed or you think you got this? No, let's uh, let's have at it. Let's have at it. The words are civil, jack, credit. The middle one, jack? Yes. Civil. Oh, civil. Jack, credit. In the news this week, there's a word that ties those together. Right. The words are not tied to each other in, in that way. Each word is, to tie, is tied to the word that you're looking for. Okay. So it could so, be blank or this blank or blank that. Phew. I'll go with uh, I'll go with unrest. Is that your final answer? The only answer I can come up with. Well, that's a really good answer, but you won't be resting easy because it is not the correct answer. <laughs> I had a feeling. Um, let's roll this down and see who gets the steal because I, I think Leslie and David might might think they know this one. So let's no. see. Oh, no. well, no. David, sure, no. maybe you do because oh, okay. you're number three. All so. right, let me see. Uh, it can't be war because uh, there's jack war or credit war and it won't be hammer, jack, and it wouldn't be cheese, uh, credit card, credit, de credit, credit. Hmm. I just have to think outside the box and the word box is not in here. Civil. And so uh, Gary said unrest. He said unrest. That is not the correct okay. answer. War civil. And it's not disobedience because Jack disobedience doesn't make any sense. 
if he's nimble and quick, but yeah. Jack, 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 Hammer, Jack, Jack, Car, Jack, Credit, Credit, hmm. Credit, 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 Oh gods. Discourse. Jack Discourse, my Is friend. That your final answer? Yeah. Well, I think you should have chosen that course because it's not the correct answer. Leslie O'Van Blake, you've got a steal opportunity here. Uh, see, I have one word that just has been jumping out at me since you said this, and that's jack shit. And I know that's not right, but I had to say it just the same. Okay. <laughs> That being said, past that. The okay. word for my show, so. Uh, it, I just had to say it. It could be it. Um, you know it. Just think, you know it. Thank you for all the words it wasn't, David. I appreciate you taking all of those uh, away. You know, what, you know what it is. Don't overthink it. I know, but nothing came at me except Civil War and Jack shit. I mean, neither one of those is, they're not together anyway. Um. Actually, no. Um, Lincoln was saying, he was saying to his, this civil war is jack shit. And then he's on record saying that. And Jack Discourse sounds like that that famous English actor, doesn't it? Jack Discourse. Yeah. I don't know why it just sounds like that. I am squeezed. Sweet. No, credit squeeze. No. I have no idea. I'm not even gonna, I'm not even going to hazard a guess. I know nothing. All right. Well, if you don't know the answer and you just want to pass, remember, you can just say Sharky. 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 The, book the book answer book. is Sharky. Jack Absolutely. Sharky. Well, again, Gary, especially, like, sometimes it either comes to you or it that? doesn't. Yeah. Joyce got it within, like, five seconds of my uh -huh. saying it. Joyce? Well, let me read the words. Yeah. Sybil. Yeah. Jack. Credit. Union. Union. Oh, Union. Oh, Union Jack. Oh, oh okay. Excellent. Very good. Very good. I get it. Very good choice. I got it too, but I didn't no. get it. Why, why okay. was that in the news? Right. Because why was it in the news? Because uh, the Soviet Union is rearing oh. its ugly head. Oh, I didn't think of that. No, and also, but that's also good. But uh, Biden's State of the Union address. Was oh, right. Oh, oh, State oh, of the so. Union. Oh, yes. All right. Oh, that. <laughs> Wow, that's stuff okay. for everybody today. Oh, this is a uh, uh, David mentioned David mentioned a Jack Sharkey. So I, I should just point out that there was a Jack Sharkey. There was a Jack Sharkey, right? He was a he was a heavyweight boxer. Oh and, and he did work with Sharky the Seal. Oh. oh is there a picture of that in the book? Did they think so, that was did they think that was fun because the book they knew yeah, it's right. Sharky and Sharky. No, it was uh they were they just uh they worked together. Sharky's, in, uh, like the six, Sharky's like the six degrees of separation, you know. It's, yeah, it's, now, this, was your, this was your father or your grandfather who was involved with Sharky? Great grandfather. The, Great uh, grandfather. He's like the Kevin Bacon of the animal world. No, exactly. <laughs> do, do seals eat bacon or are they only fish? Are they, are they pescatarians or do they? they fishes, they, they like to stay in the fish lane. Yeah. Well, where would they ever find bacon in the wild, David? I mean, you know. Well, bears not... swim in the ocean. You could have like a dead bear in there and they could go, um, 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 I don't know. Um, Gary, I just wanted to ask you, was your, was your, grandfather, was your great-grandfather in vaudeville? Yes, very much so. 
Yeah, they, so my uh, he, grandparents might very well have worked on a bill with Sharky because they definitely worked on the bill with seals. They just oh, didn't really? know their names. Really? But, yeah, they were. Uh, what were their names? Were they no weren't Hobans? What were their names? What, what their name they? was Hoban and Kelly. Okay. I showed you a picture of them once. My my great grand my my, my grandparents. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They they were they were in vaudeville and um they their name was the act was Hoban and Kelly. But there were so many different acts and. The fact that my grandmother mentioned that there were seals, they she didn't ever tell me a name. Mm. She just told me stories about, you know, seals getting yeah. loose, or seals in the water, or the mm-hmm. tub of water falling over, stuff like that, you know. Are you sure they weren't just mailing out promos using Easter seals? Because that could have been. Oh. Okay. oh. Nope, 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 nope. Oh, no. <laughs> it's 11 o'clock, ladies and gentlemen, Eastern time here in the neighborhood. We're playing the Today Yesterday Trivia Quiz with our wonderful contestants, Leslie Hoban Blake, David Sheward, and author Gary Bohan Jr. So far, we have David on David Sheward on the board with two points. Gary and Leslie not yet on the board, but anything can happen. Amazing, David, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> As we move on, but here's the deal. David, this <laughs> is yours. Okay. So you can jump to four points. If you can. Alrighty. It's a multiple choice. Are you ready? Yes. The year was 1849. Mm-hmm. Sworn in as America's 12th president today is Zachary Taylor, who served 16 months in office before getting an intestinal ailment oh. That put him on the toilet and then in the ground. Most reporters say, say that Taylor died shortly after overeating these two items together. Oh. What were they? A, cherries and milk. B, salt pork and cheese. C, meat jerky and wine. D, wild turkey and peach pie. Okay, wait a minute. Cherries and milk, salt pork and cheese. Yep. Meat and meat jerky and wine. Meat, jerky and wine. Or wild turkey, not wild turkey and peach pie. Wild turkey and peach pie. All right. Um, I'm just going to go with my gut and go with cherries because um, they, uh, I just for some reason that just strikes me as potentially deadly. Cherry and cherries and milk. Final answer? Yeah, yeah. What the hell? Well, David Short, you should feel really cheery because cherry is the right answer. He ate a bunch of cherries and iced milk, and then he just went that night. He wasn't feeling well at all, and he spent the next couple of days with diarrhea and misery and dropped dead. So there you go. That was the end of Zachary Taylor. Uh. Who would think of cherries and milk would go? And he was succeeded by who was his vice president? Oh no! Uh oh! Didn't Bill Moore coming after him? I think I'm not sure. Mm. see, I don't actually know anything. I get the information, and it's not on my (laughs) sheet of stuff. I think maybe it was Bill Moore. That was the movie Amistad. So oh, okay. I think I'm not sure. And Nigel Hawthorne played Fillmore. Leslie Hoban Blake, it's time for your next question. Now, now David Schuert is in the lead with four points, which is not insurmountable, but it can be tough. You can get two points here if you get this question. And guess what, Leslie? Guess um, what oh, question it is? Oh no! Don't tell me who's in the news. Three clues. Is in the it? News. Oh dear! I'm, I'm very. I used to be good at those, and now I'm bad at them. Okay, go ahead. Hey, hey, you, you might get this one. And remember, it's three words not connected to each other. 
uh, but connected to a word that is in the news. Are you ready? No. <laughs> the words are night. With a K or just plain night? Just plain night. Night. Thank you. With an N. Okay. Night. night. Circuit. Kangaroo. Okay, I believe the word is court. Is that yeah. your final yeah. answer? Yeah, court. Well, you have won this court case, Leslie Hoban Blake. Yeah. I knew when I put in kangaroo, it might be a little too easy, but uh -huh. um, had to do it. it just so no, cool. I had it between night and circuit, believe it or not. Kangaroo yeah. just pegged it for me. Yeah, what I don't know why. It just again, it just it either comes or it doesn't. Yeah. you know. Yeah, I, I got. I figured it out too. Yeah, and what about you, Gary? Did you kind of get that one? Did you? Did that work for you? I my lips are sealed. <laughs> <laughs> my, my lips are sealed. Get it? Er, 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 er. I get it. Um, and by the way, why why that word this week? Uh, the Supreme Court. Court uh, uh, the Biden appointed. I forget her name to the uh, Supreme Court nom Justice nominated her. I didn't even think of that. Thank you. And why else? That specifically you, David, and Leslie would know, although the spelling's a little uh, different. About well, because the court, the court theater will be renamed to the James Oh, Coach James Earl Jones, right. Well done. Good job. Good job. I wouldn't have thought of that, though, because of the spelling. So it but wouldn't have even know. occurred to me. You know? but Leslie, you are on the board now. You have two points. David has. I am. Points. I'm on the board. I'm, I'm thrilled. Yeah. My life has meaning. <laughs> yes. Again. My life has meaning again, yes, okay. Just before we all die from nuclear toxins spewing from, from Russia, we find oh, the meaning no, of life in this please, show. I know. Yeah. Why are those idiots going to meetings when they know all he has to do is blow dust on them or give them water with some kind of, you know, uranium well, shit? I wouldn't go anywhere near those people while they're bombing their... I, I, it's crazy. They I'm have sorry. to try to save their people. The negotiations yeah. would be like... Negotiations don't go on while the war is going on. Negotiations well, go on during a truce. Well, that's the way it works historically. Russia has no None of this works historically. Yeah. Well, what can they do? You know. I, well, they can they can say fuck you, but I mean that is well, ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. They should what have a Zoom meeting. They could do it by Zoom, you know, or Google Meet. Yes, or, exactly. Or exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Anyway, we're moving on to the next round of our today yesterday quiz. So again, we start with Gary. Gary, this is the first question of the third round. It is uh -huh, a multiple choice. Are you ready? I'm ready. Here we go. The year was 1853. After 20 years building musical instruments in Germany, Steinway and Sons opens in Manhattan. So which of these is false about Steinway and their pianos? A, in 1859, the company's least expensive piano cost $275. B, in the late 1800s, Steinway helped build parts for Mercedes automobiles. C, the Juilliard School of Music is officially designated as an all-Steinway school. Or D, when Steinway went public in 1996, they chose the stock symbol LVB for Ludwig von Beethoven. One of these is false. Mm. So um, it's my turn. Yes, Gary. Yes. Okay. I think the one that's false is 
A, the first one, $275, the least expensive. I would think that once you uh, factor in inflation, that number that number sounds too high to me. So I'm going with A. Is that your final answer? Final answer. Well, musically, I'm afraid that's a rather discordant <laughs> answer. That is not. I mean, it was true that that was. I, you know, a, a, piano back then. a train seal could have done a better job at uh. this. Okay. Any particular train seal in mind there, Gary? Sharky. Sharky. <laughs> Sharky. That's a great question. Gary, did Shark, was he's put out the stud? Did he have like sharkettes or something? Or, you know, little shark? No, it was uh, at the time, the training facility was an all male institution. Wow. Yeah. And did as. Did he ever uh, get to mate ever? Uh, no, Sharky did not. There were others, Aww. but uh, as one of the trainers said, um, very chauvinistically, uh, "Have women around, and you're bound to have trouble." Uh, so, uh, yeah. it, it, a version of that would have been the seals in the band. Well, yeah, I was going to say maybe, maybe that's wrong. what happened. <laughs> yeah. the there was a Sharky and the butler. Uh, there was something going on between. <laughs> yeah, come right. on. <laughs> Anywho, it was. Or, or maybe you know, anytime they, they went to a, a fancy restaurant with Sharky, you'd see a, a waiter in a in a tux, and then Sharky'd be like, "Hello, that looks familiar." So, anywho, I, I don't know. I was going somewhere where that thing worked. Uh, I know. I was, I was, I was thinking you never the, arrived. Uh, Let's go. <laughs> I was thinking of the uh, train seal uh, reference in Long Day's Journey into Night, where uh, the son, where James Tyrone Jr. says he mocks his father by saying, "You know." A trained seal is more uh, uh, more of an actor than you. Ouch. Mm-hmm. Ouch. Okay. Although, you know, I apologize to Sharky and to all... I was going to say. That's... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Anyway, David Short. Sharky um, will take umbrage. Yes. He would have taken you, umbrage. You okay. get to steal, okay. if you can, this question. All right. Read the question again. Sure. Um, 1853 was the year. This is the day Steinway and Sons opens in Manhattan. Which of these is not Not true. true. Okay. Their pian- them and their pianos. B, in the late 1800s, Steinway helped build parts for Mercedes automobiles. C, the Juilliard School of Music is officially designated as an all Steinway school. Or D, when Steinway went public in 1996, they chose the symbol LVB for Ludwig van Beethoven. LVB. LVB, Ludwig van Beethoven. All right, so which of these is not true? Right. And B was in the 1800s, Mercedes, they made parts for Mercedes. In the 1800s, Steinway's helped build parts for Mercedes automobiles. I don't think Mercedes, well, maybe. I don't know. When was the automobile invented? I don't think it was quite then. I'll say, you know what? Uh, I'll say uh, B. Is that your final answer? Yes. Sorry to drive you crazy, but huh. I'm afraid that is not. Oh, okay. All right. Help. So, so I, I, it falls to me, and, and there's nothing about Steinway and Astoria where the piano factory still is to this day. None of that. And why Steinway Street in, in, in Queens is called oh, Steinway because that. of the Steinway. Didn't realize yeah. that. Yeah, all of that. Well, no, I, I remember somebody asked me the other day, what's a Steinway? And I said, oh, about 800 pounds for a good one. But um, yes, thank you. So I'm left with Juilliard about a buck and or a half LVB. A pound. Okay. About a buck and a half a pound. Oh. Right. <laughs> what's a Hemingway? 
Oh, about, oh, about, <laughs> about as much as a tuna. Yeah. Um, and did you know that Steinway's real name was Steinweg, and they changed it to be less oh. when they came to America? But yeah. So okay. which one is false? That Juilliard is an all Steinway school, or that LBB is? Just <laughs> All right. God bless. I would think that you'd want your own initials on your stock somehow. Even though, you know, I mean, Beethoven is not the only person ever to have played a piano. So I'm going to go with the, the false one is D. Oh, good point. Is that your final? Oh, oh wait, hold on. One look, look, it's it's White Fang. <laughs> here's, here's. Oh, my goodness. You know, I'm doing more stumping than bombs in World War One with stumping. Wow, so yes. it was Juilliard, huh? I'm going. Yeah, the, the answer is, out of Juilliard's 260 pianos, 248 are Steinways, but they're, that oh. means they're not officially designated, like Yale is. And ah. they're all Steinways. Ah, okay. And there are about 100 other colleges and universities that are all Steinway. So that was the correct so that's two A's and two C's, David, right? Uh, no, I've got one C. I've got A, D, B, A, C. I have A, D, C. Oh, I haven't even... Let's see. Uh, let me, let me... We, it, there's no point to this. We try to detect a pattern. And never I know, I know. No, we didn't. David started it and I fell into it because it seemed like there might be We've got nothing to better it. to do. <laughs> <laughs> we told David... David, we told this, we told Lefkowitz about it, and it's now like, there isn't, it doesn't work anymore. It's like when my husband takes me to a baseball game. The only way I can stay interested is if I write down all the stats. <laughs> right. Well, that's not a, you've got to enjoy um, the play. I, I'm hoping it's a good revival. Take me out. If you don't like baseball, uh, I, I, I don't care about that. It's all the naked men in the showers I want to yeah. look at. That's, all right. You know. So we've got, we're up Richard to number Richard Greenberg was my dad's neighbor and was a very nice oh. man to my father. Very oh, nice. Really? The playwright. Richard Greenberg oh. has a duplex on West 22nd at 9th Avenue. My, my dad was right above him. Oh. And, and um, Richard would always stop over and, because my dad lived alone and he, you know, he lived a very long time. And he was a, my father considered himself a writer. He started to write at the age of 80 and he, you know, wow. he, 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 pub, he had a self-published book and he took a copy of his self-published book to Richard. He said, I know you're a writer. I want to give you this. And Richard read the book or read some of it and commented and was very sweet. And after that, they always talked. And uh, it was very nice for my dad because my dad, you know, did not make friends easily. Leslie, you you're, you seem to know your dad seems to have known more people than Sharky. <laughs> well, today, this morning, as it happens, yeah. not, not for Leslie, real, but... aren't you? I thought I always thought you were related to Russell Hoban, the writer. Aren't you or no? No, I'm not. No, 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 no. No, no. Oh. and not Phoebe Hoban and not any of the other Hobans. So no, no religion. Except my grandparents who were in vaudeville, except Hoban and Kelly. Oh. That's the well, only Hoban. Now, Sharky, Sharky did have uh, a lot of writers that would that wrote about him. Uh -huh. Theater critics really? and the like. Yeah, Walter Winchell, uh, Dorothy Kilgallen. Those are probably oh. names you're familiar with. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, Dor yes. yeah. yeah, Dorothy uh, wrote about Sharky all the time. Uh, Burns Mantle. Did he ever go on What's My Line? He did not, no. Oh. That would have been fun. Burns Mantle, I have that collection, the Burns Mantle been, collection. Wow. He, he was, yeah, he was the Daily News uh, theater critic, yeah. Right. So they uh, they all had something to say about Sharky. Oh, wait, Sharky was the Daily News theater critic? <laughs> uh, no, Burns Mantle was. Burns oh, Mantle uh -huh. was. 
So what do you that think of one day's journey into night? <laughs> <laughs> I love the mansion. So now I understand your your reference when when we started today when you when I came on when you were talking about the Hamlet that he was doing. Now yeah. I got it. Okay, here we go. Mm. Time for our next question in our third round of our today yesterday quiz, which goes directly to David Seward. Now, David, you're in, in front by two points. So hmm, if you get this, it's going to be basically okay. the game if you get this right. So here's okay, the ready. Oh, Leslie. I'm uh, sorry, where are we? I, this number, is David's question. question. Number eight. David is first. So this is the beginning of the third round. No, the middle no, the, of the third uh, round. Uh, Gary was first. I'm second. You're third. Oh, okay. Sorry. So up sorry. to question number eight. Remember, it goes three, Thank six, you. nine. And I'm glad eight. somebody is here to keep me in. I have no idea. Thank you. Those are the blur. David Stewart, one more. Oh, thank you so much. Um, one more um, multiple choice question. Okay. The year was 1936. Okay. Eighth Academy Awards. Ah. Mutiny on the Bounty, with eight nominations, wins only one, but that one is Best Picture. Okay. Speaking of bounty, which of these is true about paper towels? I thought it was going to be an Oscar <laughs> question. Damn it. Okay, paper towels. A, the model for the original brawny man on brawny paper towels was Monty Python come to life, a gay lumberjack. B, they were invented when the head of a paper company plant repurposed unusable toilet paper. C, using select sized paper towels doesn't actually reduce your carbon footprint because people just end up using more sheets. Or D, since 2017, the official motto of Scott Paper Towels is matching your busy lifestyle. Wait, now which of these is false or which of these no, is true? Um, only one of these is true. All right, now, I don't quite understand the first one. Are you saying that the model... For the original... Or the, bar, the, the, the guy who posed for that picture happens to be gay? Is that what you're saying? A gay lumberjack. Oh, so uh, uh, not just an actor dressed as a lumberjack, but a gay lumberjack. Um, yeah. So the question is, which of these is true? Or false? Which of these is true? All right, I think that's false. I think that's false. That's too ridiculous. Um, so B is the toilet yeah. paper. Right. Uh, that paper towels were invented when the head of a paper company plant repurposed unusable toilet paper. C, using selectasized paper towels doesn't actually reduce America or, or your carbon footprint because people just end up using more sheets. Or D, since 2017, the official motto Oh, Scott, paper towels is matching your busy lifestyle. So which of these is true? Right. I think it's C, because I think it is true that people do use more paper towels, even if they're smaller selections, you know, because that's what I do. So I'm going to say C. Final answer? Yes. En español, C is no. Oh. Well, sorry, I made that up. Okay. Nope, so right. we have a steal opportunity. We still have a game here, and it comes up. Gary, Gary, I get a bit steamy number two for you. Okay. Let's see if you can steal this question. Yeah, just uh, if you could, give me the three remaining answers. Sure. Okay, which of these is true about paper towels? A, the model for the original brawny man on brawny paper towels was, like Monty Python come to life, a gay lumberjack. B, they were invented when the head of a paper company plant repurposed unusable toilet paper. Or D, 
since 2017, the official motto of Scott Paper Towels is matching your busy lifestyle. I'm going to go with B, the one about repurposing toilet paper. You're going to say that that one is, is true. true. Is that your final answer? Final answer. You know, I don't have special effects. Well, I probably do. But if I did and I was using movie effects, I would use a wipe. Because that is correct answer. Squish, 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 squish. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that actually happened. Congratulations. It was, yeah. It was too thick and it wasn't perforated properly. They weren't going to junk like thousands of rolls of, of toilet. So it's like, oh, you know, we'll just have disposable paper towels. And that really, really is how. Um, oh. And I, I am the opposite of you, David Stewart. I, I love the selecta size because I definitely can use a smaller piece. Me too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I want to just take a little. Mm. And not go back for a second one. It's, oh. it's a mental thing. I, you know. Everything I do is a mental thing. Yes, I, you know. know. Here's the truth. The designer of the Brawny Man was a guy named uh, John Soley, and he used his own son to to model for the thing put on the jacket or put on the the lumberjack shirt. Um, And Scott Towell's motto, I kind of love this because this is more ridiculous than, than the one I came up with. Common sense on a roll. <laughs> okay. Yeah. If you look on, a, on a Scott Paper Towel, <laughs> common sense on a roll. That's what I have for lunch every day. <laughs> I'd rather have lots on a roll, I'll tell you that. Oh! Anywho, look at this. We have, my goodness, a game that could be really a game here, because David is ahead with four points, but both Gary and Leslie have two points, and we have one question left before the tiebreaker. So if either David or, or, sorry, either Gary or Leslie gets this question right, um, we'll have a, a tie. Which is so, no, because D- David has already won. The tiebreaker's an extra. No, no. Oh, if no. one of you gets four, then then we'll have a, then the tiebreaker will be real. Yeah. Is this my question? Do I did I miss a question? No, no this is your question. question. Oh, I have a question, and then we have the tiebreaker. Yes. Go. Yeah. Not up to the tiebreaker yet. I'm so sorry. You, okay, you I, I misunderstood what David said, as usual. Well, here's the thing. <laughs> if you get this right, Leslie, you're tied. If you get wrong, okay, it's got it. Now, yes, of course. Yes, you I understand that. No here. pressure here. Okay, try to keep go. Up here. Now, oh, oh, <laughs> Gary would like this one, but this is for Leslie first. The year was 1960. Marine biologist Alistair Hardy makes public his long-held theory that humans evolved from ancestors that weren't necessarily what Darwin had in mind. What is the commonly accepted name for Hardy's theory? A, the aquatic ape hypothesis. B, Theoretica Oceana. C, the theory of appendaged ocean life, parts one through three. Or D, proposition on the emergence of homo sapiens from proto sapiens. You have to give me all of that one more time. Sorry. Absolutely. Oh, sure. So which of these was the name commonly accepted for Alistair Hardy's theory? A, the aquatic ape hypothesis. B, Theoretica Oceana. C, the theory of appendaged ocean life, parts one through three. Or D, proposition of the emergence of homo sapiens from proto sapiens. 
Okay, um, given how dull these things usually are, and they're usually papers, um, and I think I remember something about this um, vaguely, I'm going to say Homo, sap homo sapiens and um, proto-sapiens. Is that your final answer? Well, if I understand what proto-sapiens are, yes. But I may not, so there we go. <laughs> ah, well, your secrets are safe with me, Leslie. That is not the correct answer, I'm afraid. So this is a big one. This is a big role. David, um, you could take this right here, or Gary could tie if it goes to David's already got it. Dad, Gary, we got to get you to tie. Here we go. It comes up with a number two. Gary, you can steal. You can actually tie David if you get this right. Oh, okay. I thought it was David's turn. All right. No, it's well, whoever. It's a steal opportunity. However, the roll comes up. Yeah. Okay. It came up with your number two. Yeah. I got gotcha. you. So, like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I mean, I got to get this one, right? It's how can I not? Do it for Sharky. Yes. Okay. And one of, these Sharky, is, right? one of these is true. And one of the first one, I'm thinking it's not going to be some fancy schmancy theory. It's going to be what was a aquatic? The aquatic ape, ape hypothesis, B, Theoretica Oceana. Or see the theory of appendaged ocean life parts one through three. I'm going with A. Aquatic ape. Is that your final answer? Final answer. Oh, Gary, I'm so sorry to be monkeying around with you. But that is right! <laughs> That's the game! Oh my god! Oh my god! It's a, oh, it's a tie! Oh, oh! Aquatic ape theory? The aquatic ape hypothesis. That's the, the actual aquatic name. ape hypothesis. That sounds like a horror movie. But well, actually, I'm sorry, you're right. You're right, David. It was also called the aquatic ape theory and the waterside hypothesis. The idea was that humans are closer to actual fish things. Also, but our uh, lungs are not, are not are not water. We can't breathe in water. Yeah, but some it's about those little creatures that grew legs. It was that stage between. As opposed to making them get all the way to apes, it was when they grew those little legs that we can go back that far. That's what it was. I mean, I remember, you know, the basic of it, but I had no idea what the title was. The aquatic ape hypothesis. Good for you. Good for you, Gary. Very good. That's so real. This is unbelievable. This is incredible. Now, all three of you play the tiebreaker, but it really is a tie between David Sheward and our, our, our new friend of the neighborhood, our guest, Gary Bohan Jr. So, Gary, do you have a writing implement and a scribble onto implement? I do. So this is how this works, Gary. Um, our tiebreaker, all three of you answer, but you're not going to say the answers. You're going to write down. It's a fill-in. It's not a multiple choice. And then I'll read the question one more time. I'll give three, two, one, and you will hold up to the camera your written answer. Okay. You write it big clear. enough to see on the camera. Yeah, yeah. Big and clear. Are you guys ready? Yes. Sure. Yeah. And, and, and Gary, no fair consulting with Sharky or any seals on this. You have to get it yourself. Here we okay, go. you got it. The year was 1936. Born today in Los Angeles to parents who were performers, is this child actor turned grown-up actor. His off-screen activities included starring on Broadway in Compulsion, 
marrying the actress who played Anne Frank in the George Stevens movie, and designing the album cover for Neil Young's American Stars and Bars. Can you make a leap and name that actor? Okay. Leslie's thinking. I think Leslie may have it. Um, don't, well, I only have my question thing. Oh, I, I, I forgot to put up the all-important prop. We spent like thousands of dollars on this thing. Where is it? Um, hold on. New potato? Oh, uh, we have a new potato today, by the way. There he is. But no, no, no. Do you actually have a shelf full of potatoes, David? Um, or do you throw uh, out the old potatoes when they get old and you buy a new one? Oh, don't be throwing me out. I'm a good potato. <laughs> oh, please. Oh, no, I, Leslie, I have oh, that. Okay. Oh, please. But now you oh. see the Batman, the new Batman movie is out, so that just looks like the Riddler symbol. No, don't be hurting me, sir. I'm a good potato, I am. Oh. Well, you have appeal. <laughs> okay. Gary, oh, no. oh, you're hurting me. You're hurting me, sir. <laughs> mm. So, how are we doing, Gary? You got uh, some? Okay. You I have enough it's... to share, David. It's not nice to eat if you don't have enough to share. No, you just no, no. It's okay. It's, it's it's some through the, through the uh... the apple doesn't fall far. But here we go. Here's mm. if I wasn't eating this apple, Leslie, I would literally be asleep in front of you. It's kind of like instant sugar. Like help. So here's the deal, Gary. If you get this right, you win. David Shore, if you get this right, you win. Leslie, I just hope you get this right. And it would kind of be a four-way tie, but we don't play it like that. But here's the question one more time, and then I'll count three, two, one, and everybody hold up your answers to the camera. The year was 1936. Born today in Los Angeles to parents who were performers, is this child actor turned grown-up actor. His off-screen activities included starring on Broadway in Compulsion, marrying the actress who played Anne Frank in the George Stevens movie, and designing the, the album cover for Neil Young's American Stars and Bars. Can you make a leap and name that actor? Three, two, one. I see David Sheward with Dean Stockwell. I see Charlton Heston, and I see Leslie King. Oh, I think you're holding up Dean Stockwell as well. Are you? Oh, yeah. boy. Oh, boy. Gary. Mm, I'm afraid you missed it on this one. I I knew I missed it, but it was it was in fact Dean. Um, I didn't know he it. married her. Yeah, I did not know that. Yeah, I just so saw her on an old episode of Heart to Heart. I didn't know that that he married her. Yeah, what was her name? Um, Millie Perkins. Thank you. Yes, Millie Perkins. Oh. Right, and so uh, and I think she still might be alive. Uh, probably. Stockwell, Stockwell died a couple of months ago. Actually. Right. Uh, he was on Quantum that, Leap, of course. I loved him. The little the boy the with the green hair. I loved him. That was the leap. The boy with the green the leap, hair. Quantum Leap, yeah. I, I threw that in there, too. Yeah. Yeah. And he was it in was the great. Magic Garden. What was the Secret Garden? He was in all of those movies. And one of my favorite all-time films, Paris, Texas, if you've never seen it. It's it's one of the great... Yes. And in the, yes. Film, the film version of Long Day's Journey Into Night. 
Oh, he was, was yes. Jamie or? Was yes. No, he was Edmund. Edmund. Oh, wow. Wow. Cool. Uh, and Jason Robards was repeated his Broadway performance as Jamie. Well, you have repeated your. Excellent. Congratulations, Thank David. You. Winning the Today Yesterday quiz. Congratulations. Now so my life has meaning. So, David Sheward, because you won, you get the great honor of telling us first what you're up to, the, you know, what we can read of yours. Oh, that's that's from Rocky That's Boy. the fairy from Fractured Fairy Tales. Yay. Um, well, uh, of yours, yeah. Well, uh, I have on uh, uh, the blog and on Theater Life uh, just some news reports about the James Earl Jones Theater being named. And there's a new Broadway show called POTUS with an all-female cast coming out of nowhere, mm-hmm. which I, uh, just what's going on. And my reviews of The Hang and uh, English at Atlantic Theater Company. So those are written and people can read your yes. reviews. Okay. No, no, they're out of my head and I just, you know, flash them mentally. No, I'm joking. And uh, that day will come, right? Yes. And I did uh, just a little update on what films I've seen that have been nominated for Oscars. I'm trying to see as, as many in the categories as possible. Every week we keep asking you about Licorice Pizza. Have you seen the damn thing yet or not? That, not yet. I did see uh, uh, Spencer last night. So now I've seen all the acting nominees. I've seen all the... Yeah, how was it seen, for hire or what? what no, it was weird. Was. It's about Christian Stewart plays Princess Diana, and it's it's a weird movie. And it's oh. it's. I thought she was terrible. To give it uh, like I'm having a nervous breakdown. <laughs> <laughs> All right, <laughs> I'm having a nervous <laughs> breakdown, Mom. <laughs> uh, don't shoot me. <laughs> well, that's the wrong accent, but never mind. I was gonna say, but okay. <laughs> All right. Given, now. given your multiplicity of accents, I have nothing. Uh, Charlie was in orientation all week. Oh, yeah, he's got this new job. Congrats. I don't know if he's gone to the theater. He has been absolutely off the radar. So I haven't even heard from him. I don't know what's going on. Right. But people can watch. Older. But I am going back to the theater. I'm, I'm starting okay. Monday. I'm going to put out feelers and try to get into as much as I can. Ooh, that sounds dirty. I know. <laughs> I'm putting out feelers and getting into as much as I can. Sensibles does it all the time. See, it's like here's one, there's Yep, two. yep, that's it. Now, Gary Bohan, we know what you are writing. We know what you have written. And we know that SUNY Press has published Sharky when sea lions were stars of show business, 1907 and 1958, all about your great-grandpa training Sharky and other performing seals it doesn't say if that actress is somewhere in the in, in the intro or, or on the frontispiece or anything. No, you know, I tried and tried. I could not identify that actress. So that's okay. just a photo you happen to have? Yes. Yeah, it was a publicity yeah, I can't shot. see it close enough to really get her face. Did you have to get any photos? Honey smoked a pipe. Look at that. Did you get photos from like Photo Fest or any of those services? I did. Yeah, I did get some photos from some photo services. I got a couple from the New York Public Library. Oh, okay. Some uh, some colleges and to all authors, make sure you have a budget for photos before you. Yeah, yeah. It's it's uh, you know, like I was saying earlier, a lot of people were generous and gave me permission gratis. And uh, so it wasn't too bad. Whereof he speaks, because David has written, of course, a biography of George C. Scott that was called what? Remind me. Rage and Glory, the turbulent, no, the uh, volatile life and career of George C. Scott. Hmm. Published by whom? Because people can still applause. Applause. Oh, okay. books. Yeah. Does and applause 
still exist, David? I don't know. Oh, hmm. just curious. Okay. Applause um, books. Yeah. Applause. You were talking about Burns Mantle before. Applause took on that whole series for a few years. Oh, yeah. books Again, I'm going to say something you're all going to get upset about. My father had the complete set of Burns Mantle. What he didn't actually own originally, he went out and found at the Strand and he put out feelers. It was before you could buy things online. And he hmm. managed to put together a whole set. And I sold it to the, um, except for the duplicates, which I kept, I sold it to the drama bookshop. Good. It's probably part of that, you know, gigantic thing that they made out of books. Why I'm would really that, upset about that. Why would that upset us? It upsets me. Oh, oh, because, oh, no, 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 because I've, I've been mentioning my father all morning. And, oh, no. and there again, I'm mentioning my father. But it upsets me that they would do that to books. That's all. Well, no, I got to say, I, I had the whole set. I had the Burns Man, because I, I wrote the... Um, Intros for three of them, actually. Oh, that, oh the, wow. The, I did not know that, David. David's book is on the list. It's still listed on the website, yeah? Yeah. Oh, David Short's book uh, about George is still on the Applause uh, Cinema oh. website. Cinema yeah. website yeah. But we, I, I guess there's still is an applause. Okay. In, that in answers Colorado. two questions. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, I had to, you know, junk it and sell, yeah, I literally from the early 1900s, it killed me. To, to get rid of I it. sent you a note. I probably won't see you next week. I'm going to be visiting some. I'm, I'm going to be away. Well, enjoy. If that changes, let us know. Um, okay. But, but thank you for participating today, Leslie Hoban, liking our Today Yesterday quiz. Also to David Sheward, wishing you a very yes. fine week. And thank you. welcome and thank you so, so much to our new friend and almost winner, not winner today, but <laughs> almost winner, did very well. for a Did new very week. well. Oh, yes, very good. Gary, thank you. Gary, I was going to say Hoban, Gary Bowen. Nice meeting you, Gary. Likewise. It's likewise. Yes, that was very a lot nice. of fun. That was a lot of fun. Thank very you, nice. guys. See you soon. Uh, David, I'll see you next week. Leslie, in two weeks. And we'll see you all in the neighborhood. Give, give, okay. give, no, do, do seal things while I'm uh, 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 Good night, Dick. As <laughs> needs to stay on laughing. Oh, and farewell to all of you. Bye-bye, David Sheward. See you next week. And bye-bye, Leslie. See you shortly. Okay. Um, I have to. I remove them. I have to remove. They can't get back in. That's the unfortunate thing. But oh, yeah, yeah. but it saves them from having to figure but out how to get out. Week, yeah. But anywho, wow! What a, what a fun game! Who what a great crew! That the guest win? Did he win no, 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 he came close. He came. But that's the closest the guest tied the game. She was a guest one, I think. Yeah, a brand, It was a brand new guest. Who came that close? That's that's oh, oh the excitement. Are you are you excited about that potato? Oh man, yeah. look look how big his little belly button. Look how cute that. Or is it a dimpled chin? Actually, it's his chin dimple. Oh 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 my god! Look bad. at that. Oh know. no, it's gone now. It oh. looks like a stitch. Yeah, that could be it. Is it a stitch? What is it? It's no, it's just a little bit of fuzz. Oh, it's gone. It's got weird hair. Hey, hey, he's beautiful, and I'm hoping you're having a beautiful time watching this episode, our 840th of Dave's Gone By. Remember, you can find out all about the show and watch or listen to almost every single one of our previous episodes. So we're talking about literally thousands of hours. About, I feel sorry about your books, but you know what? Oh, well, just easy come, easy go. But you can watch and hear my show at davesgoneby.com. Was that a big to me? What? <laughs> Dave's D-A-V-E-S-G-O-N-E B-Y 
Dave'sComedyShow.com, Dave'sComedyShow.com, where all the archives for free reside. You can either download or stream on your computer. Uh, plus, we have two separate archives there. We've got one for just all the shows complete, and then we've also separated out all the interviews. So let's say you want to share this fun interview we have with Gary Bowen Jr., talking about his book, talking about train seals and the early days of vaudeville, or, or actually middle to later days of vaudeville. Uh, you want to you say, oh, somebody I know would love to see that. Well, you can just go right to it in a day or two, right on davesgoneby.com. You can also do that at archive. Dot .org we put all our archives there. If you just want the audio of the show, remember that we are on castbox.fm. That is specifically for podcasts, audio podcasts, castbox.fm and there we are. And then finally, if you are on Long Island in Nassau County and you get cable TV, you um and and, and it's Altice is the provider at 9.30 at night, on Tuesday nights, you can watch an hour-long excerpt of this show. 9.30 to 10.30. It's a random excerpt. It's not really the best way to see the show. But, hell, we're on television. We're on TV. Tuesday nights from 9.30 to 10.30 on Channel 20 in Nassau County, Altice Cable. Plus, we have a YouTube channel. Plus, if you're looking for Dave's Gone By, you can find a ton of it. So just go search and Dave's gone by. Well, we have a bit more to do on this program. It's about 20 to 12 Eastern time in the neighborhood. We did our Colorado Limerick of the Dam. God help us. We also, well, let's see. What else do we need to do? Oh, we've got to go do some grilly criminality. Are you ready for that, dear? Are you feeling like a criminal? As, as Fiona Apple would say. I know I am. So ladies and gentlemen, here it is. This is taken from the pages of the newspaper out in northern Colorado, the Greeley Tribune. It's mixing up calls that came in legitimately, real phone calls, to the police department in Weld County and items that were in the newspaper 100 years ago. Together, they form Greeley Crimes and Old Times. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, so here we go. We, we, you know, there are both things that happened a week or two ago and things that were in the paper 10 decades ago. Are you ready, dear? Let's do some new, new criminality. Um, this is, uh, I, I don't really have time to tell the duck, but maybe I will. A goose fell out of the sky and crashed into someone's yard on 6th Avenue. So, and someone, I guess, called the police about it because, you know, why would, uh, maybe they were playing Duck, Duck, Goose. And that just didn't, anyway, that was amusing. A caller on 7th Street reported a man with a scarf around his head came to her house and demanded to see her camera footage because someone broke into his vehicle and stole his guns. That's not good. Oh, it is good, but it's not so good if he just kind of leaves guns in his vehicle and they're stolen. No, you have to have those suckers locked up so you can put separate gun ammunition. How do you, though? Let's say you're, you're taking guns to a gun show. You're supposed to be present. You never leave the car unattended. 
you have it in a lockbox, right? Yeah, because what what do you do if it's like a, a three that you're you're driving you from? Lockboxes. You can have lockboxes, so you could put it in a like a safe, but it's mobile. and the safe can fit in the yeah, car. Yeah, uh-huh. Oh, okay. So even if they get into the car, yeah. they would have to somehow figure out a way to take the safe yeah, and, yeah. and oh, okay, that makes sense. That makes sense. A caller. Oh, we have a caller. Hold on. Yo, hello. Uh huh. Okay, thank thank you for, for sharing. A caller on 31st Avenue reported a drunk woman playing in the mud. Oh, that, that's quite a sight. You gotta figure, like, some 40, 50 year old woman just kind of making mud puddles. I kind of I kind of would like to see that. I don't know why, but yeah. Now um, another oh, on the same. Oh, no, that was 31st Avenue. This is 31st Street. A caller on 31st Street said, yeah, okay. She said that a woman told her she had a sixth sense and thought something happened after finding a piece of carpet with blood on it. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, maybe she needs a seventh sense on, on that one. Oh, these were funny when I was gathering them. Let's do let's do another one here. A caller on 10th Street. Uh huh. Where are you on? You're, oh, you're on 10th Street. That makes sense. The caller said that a hacker accessed her bank account and took how much do you think? Three dollars and ninety nine cents. Lower. One dollar ninety nine cents. Lower. One penny. One dollar. A hacker bothered to access her bank account. That's a good hacker. That's great. And hacker. took a buck. I guess if he keeps doing that day after day, he'll start uh, accumulating some stuff. I love that. Uh, <laughs> here's one. This I like. And we go to 8th Street. So it might be near the vortex of 8th and 8th. A caller on 8th Street. Yeah. There we go. Caller on 8th Street reported. A man urinated in a trash can. I don't have any sound for urination. <laughs> I know. I think what got me with that one is he, he urinated in rather than near. God bless him. Or on. He's tiny. Yeah. But you have to figure, how tall is this guy? He's pretty tall. That he can, you know. Yeah, yeah. Unless it was a short trash can. Could be, it wasn't a wastebasket. They say trash can. Like a bucket or a pail. That could, oh, you know, that could be it. Let's do some old-timey stuff. Let's find, these are things that were in the newspaper in northern Colorado back in 1922, reprinted in Mike Peters' column 100 years, the column is called 100 Years Ago. Hunters from the big city have been killing off antelopes in Weld County, and soon the county may be without any antelopes. One farmer said he found areas where three or four antelopes have been killed and butchered. (laughs) The state limit is one antelope per hunter. Wow. But can you imagine just like being in Greeley, Colorado all those years, and there was like antelopes roaming, well, not for long, but antelopes roaming free. Um, I'm just surprised there weren't any honeydews roaming as well. Get it? <laughs> Comedy. The city's health inspector seized eight four quarters of beef 
from the Levy Cash and Carry Meat Market. It was delivered here just a short time ago from a Denver butcher shop. They said the beef smelled bad and was very slimy. They took it to the county and they took it to the country, excuse me, and fed it to pigs on a farm. <laughs> So, you know, on our honeymoon, you said the same thing about me, was, was smelled bad and was very slimy? Oh, good. Very handsome man. Well, thank you, darling. Travel. I can't chew and talk on, uh, at the same time, though. Um, <laughs> in his Sunday sermon at the Park Congregational Church in Greeley, Reverend L.A. Wilson, as opposed to Reverend S.F. Wilson, which was north of L.A., complained about teachers... Quote, there are now more teachers, more school teachers than are needed. He said, quote, why should we not take advantage of the law and supply and demand? I'm, I'm messing this up. Why shouldn't we take advantage of the law of supply and demand and cut their wages? Yeah. Uh, Reaganomics back in 1922. Came I think he must have worked for the teacher's college. <laughs> <laughs> Racism! <laughs> Hey, you got another to complain about. Uh, not yet. It's yeah. not in the bucket. Oh. Let's do one more old-timey thing, and then we'll go elsewhere. Someone remarked to Phillips Brooks that atheists seem to lead moral lives. Quote, they have to, said Brooks. They have no God to forgive them if they don't. Ah! Oh, those witticisms back in the day. Mm. All right. This is, this, I love this. You, I think you saw this, dear. You were not as thrilled and excited by this as I was. I'm often not. We go for this story, not to Greeley or Evans or even Fort Collins, Colorado, but all the way to Australia. Australia for this news item that happened just last week. A determined 22-year-old reclaimed a Guinness World Records title last week. Guinness World Records announced that Brendan Kelby of Australia broke the record held by Will Cutbill and Rocco Mercurio. What did Kelby do? He stacked six M&Ms on top of each other. You see, in 2016, the record was first set with four M&Ms by Silvio Saba, Kelby tied the record in November 2020 and then jointly claimed the title. A few months later... Are there, like, hot contenders who are challenging you? Like, there absolutely are. That's not right, yeah. Well, you know, when it comes to M&Ms, women are from Venus, but men are from Mars. Aww, Dang it, the Mars can, bars, candy like reference. That. Okay. A few months later, Cutbill, who lives in England, took the title and dared anyone to beat him. Quote, when I tell him it's a whopping five... They're shocked. Shocked, Cutbill told CNN. They want to give it a go. Try and beat me. Well, Kelby, who was on a quest to break 21 Guinness records in 2021, rebuilt the tiny tower of M&M's on October 14, 2021, and then added one more. Said Kelby, quote, I'm a serial record breaker. So, if you're trying to try, if you're planning to try for seven M&Ms on top of each other, please note, according to Guinness, quote, the stack must be completely freestanding and able to stand for a minute of, uh, a minimum of 10 seconds 
once completed. Flavored M&Ms such as peanut and mint, mint, uh, are not permitted. Only plain chocolate can be used. Um, Kelby did not complete his quest to break 21 records in 2021, but he still has the most titles for, or he, he holds titles for, most drumstick flips in one minute, fastest time to build a 10 toilet roll pyramid. What? 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 He takes 10 rolls of toilet paper, not those old unused paper towels, but actual toilet paper, and builds a pyramid out of them faster than anybody else in history, and longest duration spinning a basketball on the nose, and 12 others. Meanwhile, and this is lovely, Mohammed Mukbel of Yemen now has the record. That's his real name? Mohammed Mukbel. I love it. Well, remember that name because he has the record for stacking four eggs on top of each other. I, I, I don't know if that's harder or easier than I mean, but four eggs. I used to get thrilled. I used are to get. Are they hard boiled or are they uncooked? I don't know. I'm not I don't Because I, I used to be like off my nut around the time, and it's only two weeks away now, of the uh, solstice. Well, or no, solstice is, no, sorry. Solstice is June and the, December. Not, we the back, Next weekend, we actually change the clocks again. But um, of, of that thing of when the solstice is happening, you can take a egg, um, a regular non-hard-boiled egg, and stand it up, and it will stand. And it was the most magnificent. I, I was so incredibly excited by this until a week or two would go by and the egg would still be standing and it was already like a week or a month past the solstice i'm like wait why is this and then i would take another egg and eventually that would stand up i'm like wait a minute what, what's up with this so it was still still thrilling to be able to stand an egg on its end but it wasn't so magnificent of like only on this one day twice a year can you do this to a egg but this man can take four eggs and stack, uh, stack them on top of each other, which I just find egg excellent. That's exciting. 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 And you're, you're, you're not yoking, are you? <laughs> oh, all white. <laughs> Have you heard my nice record albumen? <laughs> Maybe tonight I'll get an egg white omelet then. Oh, okay. If you're not being shellfish. I'm not being shellfish. No, shell. You're yeah. being boiled. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah, I'm just, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm a little scrambled at the moment. I wish you were a little more over-easy. Oh, I was going to go with that one! Darn it! <laughs> ah! Ah! Oh. At least you're not scrambled. No, but I will be appearing in omelet later. As long as we only go out later, we don't get poached. Oh, that's good. That's a good one. I it like that. Happen. Yeah, oh, you're just cracked. But you know! <laughs> you're just deviled! You're deviled! Yeah, that's because I never get laid. <laughs> Bum, bum. Don't be such a chicken. <laughs> oh, that's a foul joke. Anyway, stop it. Stop it now. Let's go back to some really crimes in old times. You know we liked, we liked the dumb <laughs> We liked the dumb like Here we go. We Here's like a... the dumb... I have Anna that Anya Sorokin's talk now. I talk like her. Uh, and that's a fake accent. Yes, she's really, yeah. she's mixing German and Russian, I think. Um, let's, let's do a couple more really crimes in old times. So here's some recent... Criminality. A man. 
I got this is so beyond the a man on Twenty Fourth Street believed someone broke into his home after he found a shoe print yeah. on a piece of paper on his island. Oh, island in the kitchen, like a kitchen. Oh, island. okay, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, you know what I think that means? I think that means that like a, someone who cleans your house or the mechanic was there and they just put the paper up on was on the floor. Oh, and, and they just put it on the. Maybe you washed his car. God, thank you for explaining that. I, mm. I'm guessing. I don't. I don't know that if somebody, especially with forensics. So if somebody's yeah. going to break in your house, yeah. they're not going to leave a paper with the shoe print. Which is an indication of who they are, like shoe size. Right, exactly. Yeah, they're not going to yeah. not do that. And and I guess it's no longer an uncharted, an uncharted kitchen aisle uh, with Gilligan and the skipper shoe. I mean, I don't know where I'm going with that. A caller. We have a caller. Well, I got it. I got it. I got it. Um, yeah. I, static. Sorry. Um, a caller on Cranford Place. Reported hearing screaming, glass breaking, and an air horn <laughs> coming from an apartment. That is the worst silent prowler ever. <laughs> you know what? Everybody parties differently. What are we to judge? I would, wouldn't it be great to be woken every morning by an air horn? You know, I mean, you ha I gave you that. Oh, no, I gave you a megaphone. Megaphone, yeah. 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 I, I, air horn, no. Air horn was like, ah! No. Oh. <laughs> Would you, but, you know, sometimes you have to get up early. Oh, no. Like when I get up. Wouldn't you love to be, like, me standing over you, honey? I honey? Have, <laughs> I think I would have probably a heart attack and die. Oh, no, I think I won't do that. Don't no. do that. Okay. Unless you, well, you pay my life insurance, so you should, you should get rid of me. <laughs> a woman. Oh, no, sorry. I'm, I jumped one or two already. Here. Um, a caller. Oh, another caller. How do you like that? Something. There he is. We got an AT&T to test this phone out. Um, a caller on Cranf... No, we did that one. A caller on 47th Avenue, sorry, reporting a woman who was running around screaming, calling in! <laughs> and, and the man with her was like, it's almost in! <laughs> I'm just kidding. Just kidding there. Um... <laughs> Why did she want to call in? I, they don't always fill these things or, or finish the stories here. Let's go back 100 years ago. Nice to know what the, yeah. I mean, the takeaway was. Yeah. Well, here's speaking of takeaways. Accused of being a booze smuggler, oh, God. A, a Loveland man told Greeley police that he would never do that. Quote, if you ever find illegal booze in my car, I'll take six months in jail without a word. Two days later... Police caught him with five quarts of booze <laughs> in his car. What do they say? Don't poke the bear, right? Yeah. Is that the expression? Well, when the judge asked him why he was in Greeley, he said he came from Loveland to Greeley to find a place to stay. To hide his booze. And the judge says, well, now you have a place to stay. Who? And the judge gave him six months. That's mean. Well, the guy, you're right. He goaded them. He's like, if you ever find booze in my car. <laughs> and then they gave him the yeah. six-month sentence. It's like Jeffrey Epstein. Have you ever find an underage girl uh, in my massage table? Oh, well, whoops. whoops yeah. 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 All right, let's do one or two more, and then we'll move on to to the very, uh, to kind of finish the show. Let's do um, one more. A man on 8th Street said someone was stealing items from the church. He thought people were hiding out in the organ area. 
after he found a pair of pants and a condom. Well, all I have to say about that is, if you have an organ, you should have a condom on it. And that, my friends, is Grilly Crimes in All Times for this Saturday, March 5th, 2022. Mr. Horace Greeley was no fool. Oh, he was not. I'm sure that you agree with me that Greeley was no fool. What he is getting at is that Mr. Greeley was no fool. Here in the neighborhood where it is exactly noon o'clock Eastern Time, as we do the Dave's Gone by 840th episode of the show. Let me give a shout out to the fine folks at Unit Minuteman Press. I can't, I'm not doing an advertisement, I'm not doing a promotion or anything like sponsorship. So, YouTube, keep your pants on, Facebook, keep your pants on, Altice, keep your pants on, and your condom on under your pants. I'm just saying. The Toron family at Hewlett Minuteman Press in Hewlett, Long Island. Really great people. I've uh, been dealing them, with them for a long time for work and copying and printing purposes. You might consider it. Or you might not, but you might. Tell them Dave sent you if you do. Okay, so let's move on just before we end the program because I've got some... I want to tell you about the guests who are going to come on this program in the next couple of weeks. You're not going to believe it. So, first of all, though, let's talk about guests who have been on this program in months and years past. Because, you know, just like Gary Bohan Jr., who is now a friend of the neighborhood, uh, because he's been on the pro- on the show. We're going to see how his book does when it goes on sale April 1st. Everybody get a copy of Sharky. But we've also had other folks in the neighborhood for years and, and months and Weeks in the past. Let's find out about them. Fairly quiet week, though, for our friends of the neighborhood. So let's just tell you about them. Remember that now through this week, and I'm sure it'll be extended, but Vince Giordano and the Nighthawks play their old-time jazz music, Mondays and Tuesday nights, at Bond 45 over on West 46th Street in Manhattan. Playing now through really almost the end of March, and I'm sure they'll be extended, Eric Comstock and Barbara Fasano doing their duets on, and and also they sing apart and together, songs from the American Songbook at Birdland on West 44th Street. That is every Saturday night, including tonight at 7 at Birdland. Playing now, excuse me, through mid-April, Robert Cuccioli is starring in A Touch of the Poet, uh, Eugene O'Neill play, being done by the Irish Repertory Theater. And find out more and get tickets at irishrep.org. Want to let you know that on Thursday, David Bromberg is out on Long Island in a concert at Landmark on Main this coming Thursday night, the 10th of March. Also letting you know that this Thursday and Friday, Leroy Reams, what a, what a wonderful, fun guest he was. Leroy Reams is going to be doing his cabaret show at Feinstein's 54 Below. I want to remind you that Ray Bachour is playing Amos in Chicago on Broadway. 
Uh, Aladdin, the Broadway musical, features music by our friend Alan Menken, and I think he's an EGOT. I think he is. Uh, Monday night's Jim Caruso's cast party. Huh? What? <laughs> and then on... Um, Oh, that, I, that's what Christine we can Lavin. talk about. Did you say about Christine Lavin? Uh, oh. April 17th, 2.30 to 4.30, Project Fine. Uh-huh. Uh-oh, Project Fine Hamilton. But it's not. It's funded by the New York City Department for Aging. So oh. it's for people living in public, public, public housing. Songs and stories with Christine Lavin, Sunday, April 17th, 2.30 to 4.30. Well, please remind me. Was, uh, yeah. You can look at it at, uh, you pre-register at, R-E-I-S-E-N-M-A-N at projectfine.org. Leisenmann. Uh, do it. Do, I mean, beloved Christine Lavin. She's just her old friend and very happy to have, have had her back in the neighborhood quite recently. So, yes, that's not happening. That's happening a month from now. But uh, keep tabs on Christine Lavin because she does a lot of concerts in person. Concerts in Zoom. She'll be doing that benefit in mid-April. Check it out. Also, check out Dr. Demento's website, drdemento.com. He's 80 years old, and every week he's still making brand new Dr. Demento shows. Not to mention that for a small fee, you can listen to the shows he has on there from the 1970s and 80s and 90s and thousands and beyond. Drdemento.com. Uh, Bob Cudmore doing podcasts of upstate New York history at bobcudmore.com and soundsofbroadway.com. Very fun uh, website of show tunes, and what's nice is you get on their mailing list, you get a weekly mailer telling you what's what's on the station, because it's an internet radio station of Broadway shows, uh, Broadway show tunes, soundsofbroadway.com, but there's a little quick quiz you can take that's kind of a theater version of what we, we do here with our Today Yesterday quiz, more normal trivia though, and also they're even starting a little bitty crossword puzzle too, so it's a lot of fun, soundsofbroadway.com, and those, my friends... Ooh. My aunt Esther? Well, big big thumbs up. Big shout out to all the people who are watching the show. Thank you so much. And thank you, of course, to all the friends of the neighborhood. So, we've been talking about people who've been on this program in months and years past. Let me tell you the reason that you should keep tuning in every Saturday morning from 9 until noon or thereabouts for new episodes of Dave's Gone By. So coming up, check out three of them, and, and not what not they will work out, but here's the deal. Um, scheduled for uh, about two weeks from now, or maybe three weeks from now, we have a film director named Rosemarie Reed. Rosemarie Reed and she's done a whole bunch of pretty serious documentaries. As a matter of fact, it's rather appropriate timing to be talking to her because she's done um, various documentaries about Russia and life there. She did a documentary about the Curie family. When did she family. do? When did she do the Russia? Not that long ago. I mean, she's been making films for about twenty years now. So over the past, she's done a lot of stuff about radium, and she has a documentary about thalidomide. That she, usually these very dark kind of, you know, social topics and, and grim things. But she has a brand new film out about Steve Post. Guy I really wasn't familiar with, although I, I should have been. Steve Post was one of the architects of Freeform Radio. 
He was on WNYC for a bunch of years. He was also on WBAI in the very early formative years of WBAI radio. He, he even ran the station for a little while. So he was a real New York BAI freeform radio character beloved in radio circles. And so she did a documentary about him, which is going to touch on, I'm sure, his years at NYC and also the insanity of creating WBAI in what was its heyday, it's far, so far beyond its heyday, it's, it's rather sad. But in back in the day, BAI was a station that fought the government to play George Carlin on the air. It was figuring out a way to do radio that was like, not just, hey, the little hits here, ding dong, bing bang, figure, here's two minutes of a song, and back to the second commercial. No, it was kind of like a guy sitting down saying, I feel like playing this, and here's why, and here's what happened to me this morning. And then, you know, 20 minutes later, I feel like playing this movement of uh, Bruckner's Symphony Number no. 8. And, and that, that idea that has captivated my life for more than 50 years, right? The idea of what radio could be and should be, and also a political angle to it, too, because it was very left, it still is, you know, incredibly left-wing. But all of that, I'm assuming, is captured in this new documentary about Steve Post by Rosemarie Reed. You're going to want to you're going to tune in to Dave's Gone By when she's on. I believe that will be on in two weeks from today. We will also, it is confirmed, so, um, I'm hoping, you know, sometimes when it's the Jewish thing of not giving what they call a Kanina Hura, but it seems like it's going to work. We are going to have on this program a her, <clears throat> excuse me, a hermit. A hermit? Oh, one of the hermits. The hermit. Ooh. Peter Noon. Herman of Herman's Hermits. That's right. You know, you have a lovely daughter and dandy, and and um, I'm Henry the Eighth. I am this that Peter Noon, the singer. Am I am? I got married to the widow next door. She's been married seven times before, and everybody was Henry. Henry. Didn't have a Willie or a Sam. Well, I'm sure they all had Willies, but anywho. But there you go. Peter Noon, he's going to be on tour and he's going to be coming to Long Island. So we should have in about two, three, maybe four weeks, Peter Noon of Herman's Hermits is going to be joining the neighborhood for in conversation with the one, the only Rabbi Saul. So this Rabbi Saul has talked to rabbis. I don't know if he's talked to priests, but he has talked to someone who plays a nun, uh, you know, Vicky Quaggy. Now Rabbi Saul will actually talk to a hermit, Herman of Herman's Hermit. That'll be coming coming up in a couple of weeks. And then, next Saturday, on Dave's Gone By, I'm still shocked that this happened. But Israel, I can say it, because uh, it's pre-taped, I'll, I'll be honest about that. But, ladies and gentlemen, one of the, <laughs> one of the absolute architects of, and I've used that word a couple of times today, of current music, Rap and hip hop and funk. Now, we couldn't get James Brown because James George Brown is Clinton. dead. The mothership Dr. Funkenstein no, himself. Really? George Clinton. Woo! On Dave's Gone By next week. 
talking to I, Rabbi oh Saul. I hope he wasn't. I hope they both were not chemically enhanced because that would be one heck of an interview. Actually, it's it's sort of a it's a Jewish mothership connection. It's a Jewish mothership that induces guilt. <laughs> there you go. George, you never call. You never. George, you put never, down the bop gun. We you all need that. Be <laughs> so long ago. He has the funk. This is the man who gave us. Rabbi Nita. Um, it just George Clinton is going to be playing. On Long Island in like a week and a half, two weeks, or maybe three weeks from now. I, gotta, I have to get the dates on that. I apologize. For, but but in conjunction with that, he chatted with Rabbi Saul Solomon. Wow. Meaning of that, I mean, you, am I, is that like... I can't imagine two more... Dr. Funkenstein. I can't imagine two more alike, dislike people. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I love George Clinton. Well, there you go. White House. Black, right? Maggot Brain, one of the, the great yeah. um, uh, guitar solos ever. And then, what was, what was the other one? Flashlight. Know. Yeah. Seriously, how did they meet? Um, well, they, first of all, when Rabbi Saul meets anyone, it's kosher meat. So no, that's no, right. but how did they really meet? Like, did, did Rabbi, did, who, how did that work out? Well, um, we found out that George Clinton would be playing, I believe it's the Patchogue Theater. But I don't want to talk to you because it's 12.15. I just realized the time. Yeah, well, no, we're, we're, we're fine on time. No, but I don't want to. I don't yeah. uh, no, but, don't but you were asking a legitimate question. And it's sort of like when we found out he would be playing on Long Island, we made efforts to contact. Was it on Tinder? Was it, <laughs> <laughs> was it in, like, Funkalicious Tinder? <laughs> well, you are one nation under a Dave. And nothing's going to stop us now here on Dave's Gone By. So, yes, tell your friends, tell everyone. Next week, George Clinton. P Mr. Parliament, Mr. Funkadelic himself, is going to be on Dave's Gone By talking to Rabbi Sal, plus Rosemarie Reed, the director of the documentary about early uh, freeform radio, plus Peter Noon. I mean, is that one one episode? What do you mean? That's all no, 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 no. Very sweet. No, upcoming. I'm, I'm, I'm parceling this stuff out. That's, you can't. You, I think yeah. that anything with the Parliament Funkadelic needs its own special area. So before we end this particular episode of, of Dave's Gone By, I, do want, I was reminded I have nothing to talk about this week except Ukraine and all that going on. But I'm much happier. I work with an amazing. Well, I, I love all the you know all the people I work with are, are great in my day job, but one of them is a, a bit more amazing than the others. Um, he's quite talented. You know, he's not only technically savvy, but he's a good cook. And whenever we we're having a potluck lunch this week again, so he's oh, gonna bring oh, in some, uh, Richard? make some, yeah, yeah. Not gonna mention names, but but oh, he's okay. um, um, and he other thing, and he's been helping Joyce because her computer's a little bit um, yeah. you know, as a hinge broken and he can't fix it, so he's trying to give her some advice on what computer to buy. He's just a it's really like good, his mother in Funhouse. good guy. But one of the other things that he loves to do, oh, he's wow. into drones, so he'll fly drones and where he well, can. Who isn't? I mean, he loves hiking. Hiking with drones? <laughs> hiking with drones. Well, actually, yes, quite honestly. Okay. And bird watching. And what? Bird watching. God bless him. He's really into bird when watching. When I lived in the city, I used to hang out with a bunch of bird watchers in Central Park. We met Isabella Rossellini. She's a big bird watcher. Oh, that's right, of course. Yeah, she yeah, yeah. bird watching, yeah. Mm -hmm. So he does this, and he, he'll take, you know, I, I sometimes feel bad because he'll spend more time videoing the birds he's looking at than actually looking at birds but what they do, so he tells us about this and then yesterday at work he brings 
to work a baggie filled with bird seed. And he goes outside because we have a window outside where we work, outside our, our room in the building. And he plops like a little mound of bird seed on the grass. And he was worried because he's like, um, well, it's too cold, it's windy, birds don't come if they do this. And then first thing, you know, a half hour later, finally a squirrel came. And we're like, oh, well, a squirrel's going to eat all the, yeah, the seed. Squirrel goes away, and suddenly, like, sparrows. Like, a little bit, we got a lot of sparrows where, where we are. And sparrow, sparrow, sparrow. And then uh-huh. a cardinal, a male cardinal. Like, whoop, whoop, whoop. Yeah, and, and the cardinals, they like, apparently, the bigger black, the, the um, sunflower seeds. And the other ones like the millet seed. And then his wife, the the, the female, the, the, the sort of Mrs. duller, Cardinal? Mrs. Cardinal, showed up. And they were eaten. And then one other uh, thing that he didn't, and there was a couple of different kinds of sparrows. So if you wonder what I do at work all day, <laughs> well, I should be moving data and crunching numbers on eSchool or, or checking things out for New York State reportage. Basically... <laughs> Not half of yesterday, but every few minutes yesterday, we're just I'm I'm just glancing out the window and it's like, come here, come here, the cardinal's back, and then oh he's got the wife, the wife's watch, oh they just flew away, oh because because you know they're a little um scared, they're a little they see us at the window, they go scared too, (laughs) (laughs) and 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 my coworker's there with his camera, he's like oh see that see that. And it was like, oh, that's a different sparrow, different sparrow. And and all day with this, all day, we're looking out the window, looking at the pile go down. Because really, uh, over the course of a day, of like seven, eight hours. I wouldn't put it on the ground. I'd make a bird feeder so the squirrels don't get it. He says if he has time this weekend, yes, I would hope he does he's it. making a bird he feeder. make a bird feeder. What kind of bird person is he? Yeah. If I know, listen, me and Isabel Rosalini, <laughs> we used to see Howard Stern jog, and then right. we used to see Isabel Rosalini. We know that you need yeah, and and because there was also he didn't I didn't see him eating, but a blue jay came by, so it was. Yeah, I'm into this. So if we get a heron or some seagulls, we got herons in the park here, buddy. I'll have the best job ever. Oh. I, I have a feeling that our our custodial people will be like, "Why is that bird shell?" They're like, "You leave the heaters on and you're making bird bird <laughs> But um, but thank you to my coworker. Thank you so much. Tomorrow. I'll, I'll, I'll get that in a minute or two. So anyway, <laughs> Joyce opened. Uh, uh, this show sucks. Anyway, anyway, it's 20 after 12. Thank you. Eastern time in the neighborhood. I'm Dave Leftwoods. That's my darling, wonderful wife, Joyce. You guys are the people watching this program, which was the 840th episode of Dave's Gone By next week. 841. I don't even know what we're gonna call. We're gonna like something funk, for obvious for obvious reasons. I we think got... it should be defunk for David. David funk. Defunk. DGB funk. Yeah. DGB funk. I was thinking of something much more scatological. Yeah. Oh, that was the other thing that that, that I, I, just to tell you like how messed up this program is. How I took flack two or three weeks ago oh, when Rabbi Saul asked. Sharon Gless, a question about, you know, not presume specifically about dieting and losing weight and going to what she called, what she called oh, she fat camp and things like that. But just all out of the blue, because he's Rabbi Saul, he asked her, well, do they do the enema thing? Oh. 
and for like a minute or two, they're talking about enemas, yeah. <laughs> which enemas are tremendously important to my creative life. Okay. I'll tell that story another time, but not not actual enemas, just the idea of them. <laughs> don't, don't get ideas, and, and so I get uh, like you know, oh my God, you're you're this legendary actress Sharon Glass. How dare you ask her about oh, enemas? Yeah. Oh, her one of her friends, whoever, you know, wrote yeah, on she's Facebook. Got such a good sense of humor. She's not only. So Good sense of you. Plus, she wrote this book yeah, telling yeah. all about her life, all the men she fucked, all the married men she fucked. You know, she, she, you know. she mentioned it in the book, so you didn't make it up. Yeah, but and it's like, so so you're getting on Rabbi Saul for asking her a question about having enemas yeah. when she's pushing this book about yeah. laying bare, you know, everything. I think that a lot of people, when you're a good interviewer, mm -hmm. people tell you stuff and then they deeply regret it. Oh, well. And I think that's what happens. Like, people say something and they hate the moment, then they're like, oh, God, I yeah. shouldn't have. No, it wasn't even that. I mean, this woman wrote in, even like a second after the interview was over. It had nothing to do with, with Sharon Glass herself, oh, who wow. probably didn't even have well, that problem know, at all. Everybody, that's her job, so she's got yeah. to show that she's doing her job. Right. You know, it's like, it's like if you're getting paid to, to edit something, you've got better edit. Yeah. You know, or if you're getting paid to be somebody's press sure. or whatever, you've got to. Yeah, I'm going to see some people who watch Cagney and Lacey and think of Sharon Gless as like this iconic, super heroic actress. She's a baller. She's a yeah. baller. Yeah. Like she comes in that scene and she's not, you know, she's taken no prisoner. She was very empowered as a woman. Oh, she, absolutely. You know, in the, in, the, in the show. So to ask her a question about enemas, which would be right up Maya and the Rabbi's alley, yeah. pun intended. Um, was, but now, next week, yeah. Rabbi's going to be talking to a man who who's Song titles include "Shit Scatology Doo Doo Anima Man." There's there's like there's a song that George Clinton wrote about a political thing about you know cleansing every the world with animus. Yeah. How the worm the, turns. Against the machine wrote it. It's called "On F the World." On fuck the world. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's yeah. But George, Clinton, if you go through some of George Clinton's album titles and song titles, you will find things that you know would make Sharon less blush. Yeah, but everybody. I understand why the woman did it. That's her job. You yeah. know, she's got to show she's doing her job. But I just love that there's a a, a, a trail of animus no, throughout some, this and show. And some people have very sensitive sensibilities well, to yeah. stuff, you know. Oh, yeah. You've yeah. said things that have made me crazy, too. So oh, yeah. have I? I me? Moa? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I'm sorry. If I mention enemas, I, I don't think that should be a pain in the ass for anybody. But, you know. I talk about enemas with my mother all the time. Oh, I mean, basically, yeah. I do. Yeah. Because I'm me, you Dave Leftowitz, the host of Dave's Gone By. Write to me, Dave's Gone By at AOL.com. Follow my Twitter feed, Radio Dave 2. It's Radio Dave and the number 2. And please, please check out not only Dave's Gone By.com, but if you want to read my work. As a matter of fact, hmm, I should have posted this on Facebook. Um, what is her name? Oh, Rita Rudner, the wonderful comedian. I wish she were on this program. But instead, I interviewed her for Long Island Woman magazine. She's going to be playing in on Long Island in like a week or two. So go see Rita Rutter. She is fabulous. She's still she is actually funnier than ever, um, and and more um, in command of an audience than ever. You know, she, she's got real seasoned comedian chops now. Uh, so I interviewed her. She was a fabulous person to talk to. A fabulous interview, and wrote that up for Long Island Woman magazine. And then, so uh, get yourself a copy of it. <laughs> but also, if you just go online and go to DaveLefkowitz.org, DaveLefkowitz.org, I have it posted there, and you, you can read it right there. Um, and, and it's a wonderful conversation we had. So 
Yay. Yay. Okay. It's 25 after 12. We've got stuff to do. You've got stuff to do. Reminding you, one last time, you've been watching Dave's Gone By. You will tune in and watch Dave's Gone By next Saturday, March 12th, between 9 and noon and thereabouts. Until then, have a great week. It's one more week before we get to turn the clocks back and have a really nice long day. Or, no, spring. We turn them forward. Don't listen to me. Anyway, Septi, Septi, any, any last things about, um, you know, did you ever get to meet Sharky in, in your travels, Septiplus? Apparently, uh, Sharky borrowed 20 bucks from him. Their relationship went downhill from there. Thank you to Gary Bohan. Thank you to Leslie Hoban Blake. David Sheward also for being part of the show. Thank you to my darling, adorable, and wonderful wife, Joyce, for being with me every day as well as on the show today. Thank you all for telling people about the show, for watching the show, for liking us on our Facebook page. You know, it's always great to get likes and hearts when I post about the, the program or during the program. Write to me, Dave's gone by AOL.com. Oh, and go to sh <clears throat> Shalom Damn It. Com. That is Rabbi Saul's website, shalomdammit.com. Well, that's about it. It's not yet St. Patrick's Day. Anything happening this week? It's Purim. Happy, happy Purim. We're going to head northwest. <laughs> <laughs> As Purim uh, is around the corner. Dress up, do something fun, and we'll see you next week. And gone by. Dave's gone by. Dave's gone by. Or, as I like to say, <laughs> bad turkey, bad turkey. <laughs> bye bye, everybody.